Hey, what up, David? Make sure to stay sharp this weekend. I'm going to be interviewing Charlie. Carlos is in the house as well. Bam. Awesome. There you go. Okay, cool. So I think it was, uh, I think it was my fault. There are two invite options. There's one a little bit to the left and one a little bit to the right. And I pressed the one to the left first and then it kind of uh, added too many people at one time. So Charlie, nice background. Not <laughs> oh, you can not see as my plain background. as mine. I really do need to do something about my background here. So it's really nice, cool collection. Um, so obviously, uh, I told them your background about losing um, ninety-five pounds, being able to get off like high blood pressure, high cholesterol medication. Yes, sir. And then also increase your testosterone. I'm just going to honestly let you take over. I think you have like a great story that probably a lot of people could relate to these days. So I'll, I'm willing to take it whichever direction it goes. So if you want, we could um, we I can could, start. I can give you a quick rundown of my uh, fat history, if that's what you want. Yeah, let's just go in chronological order. And where, whichever point in time you want to start, we can start there. I know Charlie has had um, kind of cyclical patterns, I believe, of weight gain and weight loss. Yes. You know, he was able to sure. lose quite a bit of weight in the past as well, but kind of ended up regaining it. So we'll be talking about also how he plans on um, hopefully making my fat loss program the last fat loss program he's ever going to do. Uh, in my opinion, the only ones that work is the one where you don't have to do it ever again, obviously, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so Charlie, it's, first of all, it's good to see you. I actually haven't seen you in probably in like in probably like a year or so. <laughs> year. Yeah, believe it or not, it's actually it's felt like it's only been like two months since we did our did our assessment. It went faster. Than a year, it went faster than you would think a year would go, especially yeah. when you're losing weight and it, it seems to go slower. It, it seems that you would think it would have the opposite effect when you're trying to lose weight. It's taking forever, but not in this instance. Yeah, yeah I have I have a thing built into the program that makes time seem like it's going a lot faster uh, than it I, actually you know, is. You know, the <laughs> smart thing for you to do would be you know create a, a cryogenic tube where somebody goes in and a year later they come out. Yeah, in a blink like of an eye, and they've lost the weight. Like in Demolition Man, exactly one of the most awesome movies ever. I'm surely somebody's working on it. And it's going to be very expensive. Well, Charlie, let's start with way back in the day, whichever whichever way you want to go, and maybe we can get a history of of your weight gain and, and weight loss challenges, and, and we'll kind of go from there. I'll give you a quick rundown, as quick as I can be. Uh, more detail, the better. Okay, the There's no time limit here. So Okay, the more detail, the better. Okay, I started having weight issues when I was around five years old. I started packing on the pounds. Uh, I'm from a very Italian New York family, and it's the stereotype of the grandma is feeding you and want to, you know, you can use that as an excuse when you're younger. You know, you want to make your grandmothers happy, and you would eat, and they were the best cooks, and I put on a lot of weight quickly, and by 10 years old, like 1977, I don't know how much I weighed, but it was enough that my, my mother and father thought I should go to Weight Watchers. So in 1977 in New Jersey, I was the first male young person ever in Weight Watchers, in at least New Jersey. It was a bunch of middle-aged women in a church basement and me. We had our little books. You would get a stamp at that time. Every week you came in, you get a stamp. Uh, it was so far back that you could only eat one banana a week. Uh, that was the limit because bananas were very high in sugar. Carrots, I don't even think were allowed at that point because of the sugar. I lost some weight, I guess, uh, but my weight went up and down constantly. I think 
um, by, by the time I, I went into high school, I was around 220. And um, I'm going to say my, my medium adult overweight would be, my, my, my average weight would be probably around 240 from somehow, you know, junior and senior year in, college, in, in high school. Um, but I gained a lot more weight after college. And at one point in my late 20s, uh, I had gone up to 350. I was at my heaviest at 350. Even in the in the interim, in the in between, I had been on. You know, if people know what the Scarsdale diet is, the uh, grapefruit diet, which was hugely popular in the uh, 1980s, maybe more famous now because the doctor was murdered by his assistant, and it was a big deal. Hmm. Uh, he was having an affair with his assistant. He she murdered him. But it was hugely popular. It's called the Scarsdale diet uh, or the grapefruit diet. I lost weight on that. Um, I lost weight on Richard Simmons deal a meal, which is probably the best way if you're just counting calories. It was really good. I would, you know, went on Weight Watchers on and off again. So it's every, every diet plan you lose weight in. They don't fail. You know, it's just almost difficult, you know, impossible to maintain them. When I reached about 350, that's desperate time when, when you're that big. And I joined um, something, I guess it's all over the country. It's called Lindora. Well, that was about 20, 25 years ago. It was really, the premise of that was, it was kind of a variation on um, paleo. It was, uh, was very little carbs, almost no carbs. And any carbs you, you really ate were through them. They, it wasn't fully their meals, but it was a lot of powdered shakes and uh, powdered soups were a big thing and um you had to urinate on a keto stick several times a day to make sure it was purple and that would tell you if you were in ketosis or not you had to go every day for a uh a b12 shot monday through friday you, you went in the morning they gave you a b12 shot to help keep your energy up and it was funny because one of the first things they say to you when you join is when you're in a state of ketosis you may notice an odor um, because your body is in that particular state. And I had lost, I went from say 350 to probably 220 in like five months, very quickly. It just dropped it. And uh, one of the, the head nurse came out and she said, well, you, you know, I want to let you know that the, uh, the nurse who sees you every morning says she smells something. And, uh, I said, you know, I come out of here from the shower, my, my, you know, my clothes are clean. Obviously you told me, you know, you know, the first week I was here and that just got me so upset that I left because like, it's something they had told stink, Charlie. They, literally <laughs> that's what they were saying, but it was literally one of the first things they tell you when you're in the program that when you're in a state of ketosis, your body emits an odor. And after that, I never went back. Uh, I kind of held the weight off for a while. And it was up and down, you know, normal was for me was between, I'm going to say between 220 and 270. I was up and down uh, over the years. And then I had gotten to the point where in 2021, uh, I had reached 310 again. I had gotten all the way up to 310. I went back on, uh, lose, you know, a plan and I stuck to it. It was really just watching calories at that time, and, you know. It's funny, no matter how big I've gotten, I've always gone to the gym, which it makes it seem a little more ridiculous that I'm working out five or six times a week and I'm still putting on a lot of weight. Um, So in 2021, I was 310 and say from, 
March to December, I had gotten down to 250, which, which I was very happy with. And then, as you know, uh, I was in an accident and I tore my uh, left tendon in my elbow and I had to stop exercising for four months. I couldn't lift anything. And, in, you know, in a matter of like four months, I had gone back up to 280. And it, it was just, it got to the point then, that was April of 22. And I just couldn't lose the weight. Or it was just frustrating that I had gotten down to 250. And here I was four months later, back up at 280. Um, July of last year, it was just over a year that I contacted you at first. You know, we, you know, we had our initial uh, correspondence via email. Uh, then we started with the uh, Zoom calls, and my first day with you was August. Well, the first day on the plan was August um, of August fifteenth of twenty twenty three. I was around two seventy six, two seventy eight in there, um, and then it just the weight started dropping from that point on. Uh, you know, I got down to 180. It's like a little higher now because we, we're starting the reverse where I'm trying to lean bulk. So it's like 184, 185 mm -hmm. now. And, um, you know, in that, you know, in the last six, you know, the last six months, I, I tore the tendon in my other arm, uh, which caused me to stop really lifting for three months. We kept it very light, primarily legs, but you know, you, you see, and I, you know, I discussed this with you that um, my arms, because of the working out or not working out two periods over the last year and a half, four months, I, you know, my arms turned into uh, grandma arms where they just kind of sagged and uh, hung down. So hopefully at this point, I, you know, today, you know, the last few weeks, I've really felt an improvement in my arms, the certain positions for my left arm and my right arm that I can't do particular exercises or the difference between arms is ridiculous. I could do 40 pounds with my one arm and 10 pounds with my other arm or vice versa, depending on what I'm working with. So here we are now, uh, you know, 185 ish, hopefully getting back up to 200 with some more muscle. You know, my body fat is still a bit high. Um, that, you know, and I attribute that to, you know, being overweight for 50 of my 56 years and it's just going to take time and this year went quickly you know at this point yes i want to see the body fat drop from like it's around 22 percent now to you know whatever you know the lowest it can be but if i was to not even lose more body fat you know there's such a big difference from um you know even being you know there was a difference being fat at 350 at 30 and 310 at 310 at 53 it's just two different worlds even though you would think oh it's going to be the same you know you're in your 50s and i was always tired i would see my ankle swell up during the day with fluids uh, i would wake up in the middle of the night with heart palpitations um and that's because you're living in LA. Yeah. No, it's not living kidding. in LA. That would just be, it was like, man, it's like my heart. Just getting, walking up a flight of steps is a big deal. Everything ached. You know, even, you know, you can't eat. I know you're not a McDonald's person. Say you're eating junk food. In your 30s, it doesn't affect you. In, in your 50s, I would go into a coma and know I have to take a nap after I eat this because it's just going to wipe me out. And uh, I mean, over the course of the, you know, so over the course of the last year, I lost like 90 pounds. 
and uh, hopefully I'll start to build more muscle in this phase. Again, for everyone who doesn't know, we, I just started my lean bulk phase, which means I'm eating more calories, uh, less protein, uh, more carbs, and we'll see what the next year brings. I think that's a summary. <laughs> that's about yeah. up to date. You touched on a lot of good points. And at the end, we will cover, it is a very common problem for some people that diet down uh, and they get to a fairly low weight, but mm -hmm. still have a higher body fat percentage than they would like. Right. Uh, simply because once again, they started at a very, very high body fat percentage. So we'll go over the strategy of how to counter that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but you touched on a couple of good points and a lot of people fall into um, easy to understand and trendy diets. And I was mm -hmm. just wondering if we can go over like the shortcomings of a lot of these diets, mm -hmm. uh, your experience of the shortcoming mm -hmm. of a lot of these diets that you were on, uh, just so like you obviously said, short term, for sure. For a lot of people, they will see success, mm -hmm. but oftentimes they're missing a myriad of variables that need to make that uh, weight loss mm -hmm. sustainable long-term. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, I think a lot of people just forget that no fat loss program is sustainable. Some are sustainable right. for a bit longer than others, mm -hmm. but the goal isn't to be on a fat loss program indefinitely. Mm -hmm. It's just to be on uh, like a fat loss program for as long as it takes to lose the unwanted body fat Mm -hmm. and then transition into more of like a lifestyle or muscle development program or whatever the person's goals entail. But you mentioned kind of Weight Watchers first, and you mentioned that a couple right. of times as your go-to resource. Can you kind of talk about your experience with Weight Watchers and what you found, um, at least from your opinion, of what didn't allow you to sustain the weight loss by going through Weight Watchers? Well, you know, it's funny because I almost like a history of Weight Watchers and seeing, you know, as I said, how it's evolved. And it really was, and I think it's probably still middle-aged women are Weight Watchers people, but it was like a big deal when I was there in 1977, fat little kid, you know, in a church basement with all these middle-aged women. And, um, you know, with that program, and at that time, they really didn't have, you couldn't go into the supermarket and there weren't 50 types of Weight Watchers meals. It was all, um, you know, they had a list of foods you could eat and not eat. Grapefruit was a big one too. Like it was on, you know, I guess in the seventies and eighties, that was the miracle food was, uh, was grapefruit. Like every breakfast was a half a grapefruit and a piece of wheat bread. That was for Weight Watchers then. And then it evolved. They had their own meals. Uh, the appeal, uh, the broadness of the food opened up. And it's still, you know, if if you have to do a plan, that is one of the best because it is, it really is not a diet. It's more of, it's become something where it's a, you know, if you have the willpower, or you, you, it's just a normal way of eating without eating junk food. Or, you know, they, they, they started, I think this was in, in the 90s with the point system, which was you you had a lot more leeway in what you could eat and you accumulated points. And when you hit those points, um, you were done eating that type of food for the day. I think they really gotten a lot from that method of losing weight from Richard Simmons dealer meal, which was usually successful. I don't know if you know much about that, Eugene, you had a packet of cards and um, all your cards, you started at the beginning of the day on the left-hand side. And it was fruits, vegetables. It literally had a card and the foods you could eat were the value of that card. And it was much more flexible. If you wanted pizza, it was three 
red cards. And you, when you had the slice of pizza, you move the cards from the left to the right. So he was really trying to teach you how to eat, um, no, not no, I guess normally, you know, uh, watch your calories, uh, but opening it up to a broader range of food, knowing, hey, people want pizza or people want a hamburger. So it would have a, you know, a regular McDonald's cheeseburger, move over two cards. Or when you ran out of cards, you were done eating for the day. And while it was easier to maintain that, you know, you had a lot of people who were out of cards by 12 o'clock in the afternoon and they had to stop eating. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of any, you know, all diets work again. It's just the self-control you have and you have to have the discipline. Um, you know, the, the least sustainable was the Lindora, which was very expensive. Uh, you know, especially you're going there every day to get a shot. Uh, but at that point I was 350 and you get desperate and, you know, even, you know, they, they check your body fat and it was, I guess, and I don't think you ever heard of this method. They tested my body fat by laying me down on a table and attaching like a dozen electrodes to different parts of my body. And at that point, if it was accurate or not, I was at 51% body fat at like 29, 30 years old. Um, they don't do that anymore. I see there are some, some Lindora clinics, but it was just almost impossible. You can't live with no carbs. At least when I was on it, you know, 20 years ago, it was almost no carbs, which is why you dropped. I mean, they didn't even want you exercising. They were mm. like light cardio. That was it. You couldn't lift weights or anything of that nature because you were taking in no carbs, which is why, you know, and how I dropped 130 pounds in five months, you know, it was a lot of, uh, it was a lot of prepackaged puddings, soups, and drinks that they provided for you. And um, I think that you know, there were, you know, there were, you know, people who watch this are older. There were watermelon diets. There was um, fish diets. There was every type. And you know, it's funny when you know I always say that the best people to ask about weight loss are overweight people because we've been on every diet. We've tried everything and you know what fails, you know, what works, you know, and why you fail yourself. Um, a lot of people now, it's just moderation. Just, you, you know, I tell friends who, if they can't afford or try, you know, I always say to somebody first, you know what, write down on a piece of paper, 2,500. And for that, see how you can do just subtracting calories. You can get fine caloric uh, numbers for, anything online now you could put anything in a google search and it's going to tell you i say try that at first and see what you can do and if they're you know if they're successful and this is you know before or after you're not like i'm using your i just say you know most people you know you're bigger if you're hung you know if you're losing too much weight add some calories to that if you're losing too much you know if you're not losing enough subtract calories so just you know you know because i've had friends you know i have friends like 400 pounds and he's desperate right now and I suggested your program to you, but you know, you have to be, you have to reach a point where, you know, you know the, my point wasn't even my heaviest with you. It was, man, I, I lost, I got down to 245, 250, and here I am at 280 just a few months later. And it was just, I was desperate at that point. It's like, I can't do this again. You know, you, you always think at a point, especially it's like, all right, I'm, I'm nearing 60. Let me just put on a moo moo. And whatever happens, happens. I'll just keep eating, um, you know. And now, now it's like I haven't, you know. I told you even in the last year, I'm not. Gonna, I guess I could say cheating, but really, 
It's like, if I needed something, it's like, I needed a bagel, uh, which I then added, you know, it's just, there were certain breads once in a while. I needed a piece of cheese. I've not gone to, you know, junk food like I have on other diets, you know, and I've never really cracked and ruined a day or a week by eating, you know, just, you know, because that's a big thing too. It's like, if you cheat at a certain point during the day, then you say, this day's ruined. I might as well just cheat the rest of the day. And I have, I have an issue where I cannot lose, I cannot gain weight for weeks. And then, you know, I'll eat poorly for two weeks, three weeks. And it's like, my weight was, isn't with two pounds. And now I will literally wake up one day and I will have gained eight pounds, like overnight. And then, you know, then it gets depressing where it's like, ugh, you know, you're starting, you know, I was eight pounds lighter yesterday. You know, it's just kind of crazy. I, in the morning, in the daytime, if I go to the gym, my weight could be a five pound difference lighter after I go to the gym. So I don't, you know, it's always been a crazy number and it's not like I'm sweating profusely. I used to somehow when I hit my fifties, even at three ten, I stopped sweating. I mean, I was somebody, even when I wasn't heavy, always, I was drenched and uh, it just has kind of stopped. And now it's like with the weight loss, it's hard for me to sweat, which is kind of ridiculous to think of, you know, I'm, you know, it's like I'm at the gym an hour and a half, five or six days a week. You know, I walk my dog. My, my real cardio is, I, and I suggest this to everyone, get a puppy when you start a weight plan. Because I walk my dog, you know, he's a puppy. He needs the energy. He needs me to get him out there. 90 minutes to two hours a day just walking the dog because he needs it. And it benefited me where I don't do any cardio at the gym. Where I used to do it all the time, I would do 60 minutes or 90 minutes on a cross trainer or a treadmill now you know and i'm not you know the dog is sniffing so it's not like i'm overexerting myself occasionally he will pull me but i mean it's like it's like the best cardio get a puppy get out there for two hours in the sun that's I don't know. you have any questions <laughs> no you, you mentioned a lot of great things and yeah i mean just to touch on a few uh on a few variables that you mentioned you know the, the caloric deficit at the end of the day is very important yeah. And as long as people establish that on any diet, they can lose weight, you know, and every diet has some pluses and minuses. Oh, for sure. You just have to figure out uh, like what works best for you. Mm. I found just um, one of the, uh, well, another point is in terms of yo-yo dieting, mm. like you mentioned, you know, ask an overweight person if they tried every single right. diet imaginable. And it is true. Uh, dieting or trendy diets have like an extremely high failure rate. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look at the statistics, it's usually around, depending on where you look, anywhere from 85 to 95% of people that go on a diet end up regaining their oh, weight within sure. two to three years, you know? So, and in my opinion, for my observation of doing this for like 17 years already, it's mainly because, you know, dieting, working out, even getting like ga gastric bypass mm -hmm. or anything, it's really just mm -hmm. tackling kind of going into more of a symptom management approach of the weight gain problem. Mm -hmm. And of course, when you approach it that way, you might have some short-term relief, maybe. A lot of times, as you know, people that start weight loss programs don't have the compliance rate to even see any results from mm -hmm. it. That's probably, I don't even know the number there, but from my observation, probably close to 75% of people, if they don't have like an accountability or, or a coach, it's unless they have that um, really... Um, 
how do you say, like a pain teacher visiting where they have a life catastrophe, it's really tough for them to initiate those changes as well. Because you can't solve like a problem with the same belief system, obviously, that led to the problem. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be, unless a person is investing like a tremendous amount of time in educating themselves about like Mm -hmm. nutrition, you know, the etiology of fat gain, et cetera. I mean, it's just very unlikely for them to actually come up with that solution themselves. And most Mm -hmm. people dive into kind of trendy fat fat loss programs, trendy diets and everything, because they're kind of easy to understand. It's like, oh, Mm -hmm. just have a grapefruit or, hey, just have these protein bars we mail you once a week and just have three right. of those a day or something of that sort. Or, or we're going to, we're going to give you exactly what you have to eat, but that's the wrong way. It's like, you have to, you can't live in that world long yeah. where, you yeah. know, you're getting a box of food every week. I mean, I even tried, and this was expensive where I would have fresh food delivered every day to my house. You know, I don't know, you know, these are hugely popular in Los Angeles and I'm sure in big cities, they're popular. But it was, the food was always good, um, but very quickly. And this was like 50 to $60 a day. Every morning you wake up, there's a little bag with three meals in it outside your house. But very quickly you realize, oh, all this food, it's good, but it all tastes the same. And eventually, like within a couple of weeks, the meals start building up in your refrigerator where maybe you'll eat one of them, but... I would notice after a couple of weeks, they just, man, I was throwing, you know, I was throwing so much of that food away and, you know, I'm buying two sets of meal, you know, it's two foods for every day. What they would send me, I was buying 50 to $60 a day. And then whatever I was eating <laughs> to compensate for not eating their meals every day, which is, I mean, I can, I can only imagine those kind of businesses are sustainable within big cities. Uh, you're not going to find them everywhere because it's just, you know, somebody's driving to your house every day and leaving, you know, it, it was, you know, and some of them, I guess I've never been one, like you're the first time I'm actually on macros, but now a lot of them will accommodate. You tell them your macros, they will send you your macros. Um, but it's just, it was so, I mean, I don't even want to know the money I've spent on programs i mean i think the lindora clinic when i did that 20 years ago that was like three thousand dollars for the program plus then you had a you had to pay for the food separately so all those little pat you know and that was 30 to 40 dollars a week but you know you're desperate you're taking advantage of somebody at a low moment you're going to do anything and then you know whether you have the money or not you're gonna you're gonna find the money if you can and um you know and in regards to you, at first, you know, it's I'm, I'm sure the biggest concern people have when they join or meet a, or discuss somebody, you know, meet with somebody with you at first time is this is an online person. And, you know, he's you're you know, you're in Texas. I'm in California. And I had done somebody before you. It was inexpensive. It was, you know, hey, send us two hundred dollars and we'll send you a plan. And, you know, you send the $200 and then within a half hour, they have a plan if you, if you, you filled out a little questionnaire, which of course is ridiculous. There's a pre-made plan, you know, with you, it was the opposite where it was, you know, three to four hours of video calls. You know, we had the, the questionnaire. I mean, from the time we first talked to, I actually started the program was three, three and a half weeks and all of that in between was um, um, you, you calling me, you know, as everyone 
who works with you knows is, you know, there's a session where you watch us move, you know, you just have the camera on us. And that was all before we started the plan. And um, even the thought of what are you going to do for me? You're, you know, you're 2,500 miles away. Um, and I, and I didn't like the aspect of weighing myself every day. I said, you know, that's, you know, that's crazy weighing yourself every day, but it kept me, you know, cause you're up and down every day, uh, half a pound, a pound it's, it's, you know, but you, you know, the, the discussion of the, uh, the week average and, um, you know, what something I needed too is, you know, those weekly phone calls are important because you're my, uh, you're my watchdog. I, if I wasn't losing for me, I was losing, well, well, Eugene's, you know, Eugene's going to talk to me. Uh, so I have, you know, some people need that, you know, you're not at the gym, you know, I've had trainers and the trainers are all good. Um, but you know, after, you know, you're with somebody for a while and they get that thousand mile stare in their eyes where then, you know, Hey, I'm paying you a hundred dollars for an hour to work out and, you know, at least watch me you're working out. You know, I have friends who are trainers who will say some people just want to talk for the hour mm-hmm. and you're riding such a fine line where, you know, you don't want to lose that hundred dollars. And if somebody just wants to talk for an hour, you're not, you know, you can push so far without losing that's your income. So, but I mean, the idea of you, and even though you're not near me, we don't see each other. We've never <laughs> been in person. It worked. And I, I don't know how that, you know, most people can deal with the fact that you're not at the gym yelling at them or, you know, working them through it. You're not spotting them or, you know, so that was a big revelation that it works 2000 miles away. If you have the right person. Um, yeah, that's what I say. I mean, it's a big deal and, um, it works and it will continue. You know, I'm entering this other phase that will still keep in touch. Hopefully I'll bring my body fat down at least 8%. Um, but you know, I, I had the instance where I lost all the weight and I hurt myself twice. So I'm sure, you know, I lost muscle because I couldn't exercise for eight months over the last year and a half. We'll see what happens. I feel I'm getting stronger. We'll just see what visually. And like, you know, I'm 56 years old. It's not that big a deal. Like if I was 30, maybe I would go for some tightening somewhere, but it's like, I, I don't care. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not going to get somewhere, you know, somebody suggested, you know, um, HGH. It's like, no, I'm not paying for, for that. If I was 30, maybe I would do it. Um, but I'm fine. I, you know, I feel and look better than I had in a long time. And uh, we'll see what the next year brings. Yeah, you did. You did mention something important in terms of like in-person coaching, mm-hmm. and that you were able to obviously get the results you wanted from just online coaching. Because I find yeah. the majority, and you kind of hinted at why. You know, you mentioned, oh, you know, in the past I was working out five or six days a week, and I still mm-hmm. went up to like three fifty or three hundred right. pounds. I forgot the exact same, yeah. the exact number you mentioned. No, you're right, three fifty. Yeah, uh, that's because a lot of times, I mean, everything is important for sure. But I would say like in terms of weight loss, especially Mm -hmm. like the working out aspect is the least important for most people, especially when you're trying to meet most people at the level of the problem of where their problems are, you know, Um, and stuff of that sort. So a lot of times when you get in-person coaching and the good ones are, you know, like 200 bucks, 200 bucks an hour, like no problem in especially areas in LA. But a lot of times it's like you're just paying um, for people to 
to spot you right. and talk to you and be totally That's sense. literally all it is. And I just, I personally don't think it's worth paying like 200 bucks an hour for someone to, to spot you or count your reps, you know? No, I couldn't afford that. that. And it's crazy. I mean, I know some people, it's literally to me, and my friends have told me this who are trainers, it's like the people for the most part paying for somebody to listen to them. You know, they're a kind of, maybe they're a slightly less expensive version of a psychiatrist, but you know how it is, is that's your income. You're not going to push them away. You know, you need that $100 a week, uh, whatever it is for a, and I would only go, I never went more than once a week to a trainer. I said, like in, in an instance, like what I said with you, you're my watch guard, uh, my watchdog. You're the person, if I'm lifting heavy, I'm paying for a spot. I can, I, cause I don't like, you know, I don't like people for the most part. So I'm not the person that goes up to somebody in the gym and says, Hey, can you spot me? So I, I would have heavy days with the, um, the trainer and he would spot me, you know, when I would do heavy, you know, and when I was very heavy, I was ridiculously strong in a sense where I could bench over 400 pounds or I could leg press over a thousand pounds. But I see those people today when, uh, when I'm at the gym, and all I think of is, my God, you look so unhealthy. I don't care that you can bench 400 pounds. You're at least 80 pounds overweight. And I can see you struggling. And it's just, yes, that's why, you know, you're that strong is because you have that much meat on you. But it's like, I'm waiting for them to pass out after their sets. It's like, you look so unhealthy doing that. I don't care that you can bench press 400 pounds. You know, people are cheering them at the gym. It's like, you're going to have a heart attack by the time you're 40 uh, if, if you don't lose weight. And it's a lot, a lot of younger kids, too, in their 20s are just ridiculously heavy, you know, lifting heavy weights. It's like, I know that's powerlifting, but it's, to me, those are the unhealthiest looking people. You know, when you see powerlifters, they all look like they're not <laughs> well. So, you know, but it works with having you, you know, check in on me. And, uh, it's, it, you know, after a while, it's like, I look forward to weighing myself every morning and it's like, okay, you know, you have to get at that mindset too, where, um, I'm, you know, maybe I gained a pound today, but that's just today. It, it could very well be water. Um, but over the week, it's gonna, it's gonna average down from what it was the week before. And I, you know, oddly, not maybe, maybe not oddly in your mind. It's like, I never had a week where I gained weight with you. Uh, which was odd for me that I never had a bad week. Even if I was down a half a pound or a pound, I lost weight every week. Um, you know, and, you know, the biggest problem I had when I first started your plan was it was like, I would tell you I'm too full or it's like, man, I can't eat all these, all this, all these carbs. There's too much fruit. Oh, you know, and there's too much protein. Um, so it's rarely do you say I'm eating too much, but even, you know, we started at like 1800 calories and, you know, maybe by the time we got up, to, you know, I've lost a lot of weight that first week, it was a lot of like uh, water weight, but by the time I had gotten up to 2,400 calories, which isn't a lot for somebody, 270 pounds, um, I would tell you, Eugene, could I have, you know, can I have oatmeal, some, uh, something high in carbs that's less than fruit in calories where my god i was so bloated i never even went to that list of all you can eat carbs only if i was occasionally hungry i would have a carrot or something uh, but i rarely hit that list of all you can eat carbs because i was so full on everything else um 
you know, and I, as I mentioned to you, getting into protein, uh, I don't know what most people are. I was at my highest 240 grams a day. And I don't know how many people could do this, but that's a lot of protein mm-hmm. that I, I would drink a carton. And I, I did this before you, a carton of egg whites throughout the day, because I knew that's 100 grams of protein in a carton of egg whites. It's not for everybody. But let me tell you, people, there's no, there's no taste to it. And if you could get the room temperature, it's much easier on your stomach than drinking cold egg whites. But it was like, all right, there's 100 um, grams of protein. It's 500 calories much easier. And I was less bloated, you know, because at first I started putting them in a pan and cooking them up or a minute in the microwave. It's like, man, it's still too much. There's too much bloat. And I would just drink them. (laughs) So not everyone could do that. I never had any health issues. Um, I was never sick. But it's up to you what you can do if you have high protein like uh, I did. (laughs) Like I'm sure Eugene has you on high protein. Yeah. And uh, like you mentioned, a lot of people, when they do diet, it is a very common thing to hear them like, oh, I'm always starving. Right. You know, I'm always like no, not getting I, in enough food. I was never starving at all. And I was just going to say, a lot of my clients, just like you are complaining, like, man, this is like way too yeah. much food. And a lot of times people have to understand that there are generally like three things you have to look out for when structuring your program. And mm-hmm. it's going to vary from person to person. You know what I mean? It's never going to be just one right. equation that's going to work for everyone. So first, you have to identify the person's goals, right? Like, mm. what are they trying to lose weight? Are they trying to gain weight? Uh, see, Carlos is my client as well. He's mentioning he eats food all day. You know? mm. And he, he ended up losing, like, I think 40 pounds already or something mm-hmm. of that sort in, like, five months. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the first one is you do have to determine how many calories you need total. Right. And then based off that total amount of calories, you can better determine – you know, how much protein, fat, and carbs the person needs in their daily schedule based on their goals, and then also their activity level and their current base metabolic rate, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, total calories, how you structure those calories in terms of uh, fats, protein, and carbs, and then also how you source those calories. That's important Mm -hmm. as well, because obviously uh, if you're sourcing them, possibly let's say for McDonald's, Mm -hmm. Uh, you'll probably be pretty uh, pretty hungry at the end of the day and mm. not being able to hit that caloric deficit, uh, which is going to be a lower calorie amount than a maintenance level or even when you're trying to gain weight, for example. Mm. And, um, and then a lot, a lot of people end up being hungry. And then when they're hungry, mm. they overeat. And right. because a lot of people are so uh, physically inactive, like most people aren't even working out five or six days a week, you know, so you even have less room for error on their nutrition. Right. So it seems like when they just overeat a little bit, just one day, uh, their weight seems not maybe one day, but maybe a few days back to back, their weight seems to rebound very mm-hmm. quickly. And usually kind of what happens with people that successfully accomplish fat loss programs is then they end up regaining about, you know, five or six pounds uh, of excess weight per year, mm-hmm. which doesn't even, visually look different from month to month on your body and because of how you know how you adapt to how you look because you're seeing yourself every day you don't really notice it that much you just kind of habituate to it but hey you know five years later that's an extra 25 pounds you know 10 years later that's an extra 50 pounds and usually people just adjust their clothes as well so once again it creates that uh kind of deception of of staying the same when in fact the person is actually regaining their weight 
Well, for me, I mean, what I always had in mind, because I was 350, no matter how heavy I was getting, it was like, I'm not 350, I'm not 350, you know, and it was always like, okay, if I got my scale, you know, and I was 220 up from 210, I was okay, because I was at 350 at one point. Mm-hmm. And then if, when I got to 240, I would say the same thing, at least I'm three, you're not 350 again, and it would just go up. And before you know it, I would be 280, 300 pounds, and... 310 pounds again. You know, that didn't come quickly, that weight gain. That came over 10 years. I had gotten, you know, again, my me, my normal uh, a- average overweight would be like 240. Uh, for the most part, I would say, you know, from the time I'm saying, you know, I was in high school till now would be 240 was my average. I mean, it's like I'm a way- out of weight now that I probably haven't been since like sixth or seventh grade. Um, because I know when I went into high school as a freshman, I was like 220. So it's like, I had mentioned to you, it's like once I was under 196, I said, this is like, this is a grammar school weight for me at this point. I was never a bull because I was even in like grammar school. I was like five, five eight, five nine, five ten. I stopped growing for some reason. When I was a freshman in high school, I was already like six foot. And it stopped. So I was never a bull. Well, you've seen some, maybe I was. I sent you some pictures when I was like six or seven years old. But I grew and it's just like, I, I continue to grow outwards and not upwards. Maybe if I had grown to 6'10", 6'11", I wouldn't have a weight issue. Well, it would be less, but, you know, um, <laughs> so I think about that. But it's like, you know, you and I, you, you i would gotten up to most of the program the last year I had spent you know, my caloric intake was almost 2,900 calories a day. And I was still losing two or three pounds a week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if you go by what is told and, you know, 2000 calories is the normal per day, what pe- most people should be eating. I'm eating two and a half times, you know, one and a half times that and I'm still losing two pounds. I mean, I'm sure we could have gone up to, you know, if you do those numbers, maybe 35 or 3,600 calories a day. And I would probably still be continuing to lose a pound or a half a pound a week. That's a lot of food, you know. But for the most part, if you look back at what I've done, we stayed in between 27 and 20, you know, 900 calories for, you know, if I'm on 10 months, probably eight of those 10 months, I was in that caloric range, you know, and, you know, the big effect, you know, I saw everything come up. And even when I, after a while, wherever people are in the program, I don't know how you do it. I would say like, I think it was after two or three months, I said, Eugene, can you add oatmeal? Can you add rice? Uh, Can I have a sweet potato? And you would tell me if I could add that because it was just too much, you know, too much in vegetables and too much fruit. You know, when you're eating 80 grams of carbs and only fruit, that's a lot of fruit. And it just would bloat me all day. But, you know, half a cup of oatmeal is 40 grams of protein that's a lot easier to take down than all the fruit i was eating you know yeah and the, so. the big emphasis in the beginning especially when the calorie range was a bit lower was just to kind of get you eating foods that fill you up right. quite a bit without having right. the associated calories with them so for for everyone you have like two things in terms of caloric intake to worry about when choosing foods you have foods that are very high in calories mm-hmm. and then also you have to take into consideration their volume and density so for mm-hmm. example a mcdonald's burger i don't know what in and out burger i kind of eat there from time to time it's right. rare it's like 
I think 700 or 800 right. calories for a double right. cheeseburger, right? And now, do you go? I'm asking, do you go with the bun or do you get it gorilla style with wrapped in lettuce instead of the bun? Well, I get it with the bun, but I'm okay. always trying to gain weight. I've had problems okay. with actually not uh-huh. weighing, weighing enough. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, we got to balance out the universe somehow. Right, exactly, know? exactly. The universe <laughs> is like at a constant weight. Yeah, but it's fairly rare. I mean, you know me, I, 99% of the, 99.9% of the year, I just eat at home mm. from, uh, right, you uh, have just to like well-sourced food and stuff you like ha- that. You so have like, to adjust. You have to adjust no matter what. There are certain instances you, you have to adapt and just not, and no, not to go crazy. Yeah. yeah and then, um, but to get to your point, so in and out cheeseburger, uh, in and out double cheeseburger, I think it's like 800 calories. It's still fairly not filling because the, right. the volume and the density is just not there. So you could eat it or I would eat it, for example, and still be right. pretty hungry like two hours later. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you would eat something else. And then for for me, that might be okay. And for you, because you're very physically active too, that might be okay. But for the average person, those calories mm-hmm. aren't being burned, you know, and mm-hmm. they're going to be stored for sure. And you're still going to be left feel hungry, which you would require to eat even more food and thus gain more weight. But for example, like a chicken breast, one pound, it's like, I think 500 calories mm-hmm. or something like that. And it's actually pretty tough to eat one chicken, one pound of chicken breasts, you know, oh, for sure. And especially when uh, you combine it with any non-starchy vegetables, which you can easily consider as zero calories, in my opinion, right. you know, they have a tremendous amount of fiber. They're very filling. They're great for your health as well, as long as your digestive system can handle it, obviously. And if mm. you can't, then maybe a GI map test would be a good idea to determine uh, how you can rebalance your gut microbiome to help absorb a lot of these important nutrients, mm. et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, with the non-starchy vegetables, especially you're looking at foods that take up a tremendous amount of volume uh, in your stomach and mm. have very little calories associated. Uh, with that much volume so you can stay feeling like extremely full throughout the day mm. and not have to get into that caloric surplus mm. range and stuff of that sort uh, but once again all these kind of diet tricks and stuff of that sort i mean they're great to know and a lot of people don't even know them for sure but um, the biggest thing is kind of like what i remind people is like you got to change the belief system that led to certain behaviors that led to a person to be overweight, you know, mm-hmm. and especially if it's not changed at that level, what ends up happening is they definitely kind of lose weight. Most people don't even lose weight, but for the ones that do, um, as you kind of mentioned, your cyclical patterns of weight gain and weight loss, it, te- it typically tends to come back. Can you touch on any things that any aspects of your belief system that you have to kind of touch on and change or reframe to help you from uh, like regaining the weight? Um, I mean, to me, it's, you know, you know, reading the books and watching the videos uh, that you provided to me, it's just like, unless I'm fooling myself, it's just the pleasure food gives me. And it's the, you know, you have to have that realization. It's like, man, this pizza tastes good or these fries taste great. But you have to realize, oh, this feeling is going to last for five minutes. And the rest of the day, I'm going to feel terrible physically because I ate the food and then emotionally in a way where it's like I ruined the entire day or the entire week for that five minutes uh, of pleasure. You know, and for the longest time, too, it's starting to balance out now where, you, you know, junk food was much less expensive than eating healthy or for the most part. 
you could go and bloat yourself at Taco Bell for $5. Now to eat healthy for $5 at a certain point was not easy. But you know, it's like, you know, you get a certain meal or something. Now it's kind of ridiculous how all the junk food is, you know, you go to McDonald's and order a meal. It's almost $20 mm. for a single mm. meal. That's not cheap anymore. Yeah. Um, it's to me, it was, I never, I, again, maybe I'm fooling. I never ate out of depression. Uh, I was never one of those people. I don't think I was, you know, just except for those few minutes where, oh, this feels, this tastes good. And when people would always bring up weight loss, there was, for those who know the show Roseanne and the character of John Goodman, at one point he's asked, uh, Dan, you've got to lose to weight. You're, you're getting, you're, 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 you have to lose some weight. You're getting too heavy. And his reply was, why should I give up one of the few pleasures in life I could afford? And it really makes so much sense for some, you know, for people who don't have a great deal of money, it's like you can eat a lot of junk food for a lot less money than you can eating healthy. Um, and to me, maybe that was the mindset, you know, growing up lower middle class and it was just less expensive to, you know, for mom to take us all to Burger King for, you know, everyone ate for $10 or something like that. And um, it's still, I mean, even like when I, the toughest time I have is when I go to the movies because I'm so accustomed to eating junk food at the movies. It's the most different, you know, it always has been. Mm -hmm. It's such a Pavlovian response to, I need my soda. I need my juji fruits. I need my nachos and cheese. And like you, you, you're in the movies. I'm going to even say for me, it's like, I'm one of those people who, who has everything eaten and consumed before the movie even starts. Mm -hmm. So in those instances, I would be downing 3000 calories in a matter of 15 minutes before the movie. That's a day's calories in 15 minutes. And it's like just getting, because to me, it's like, that was one of my great pleasures. Going to the movies, just enjoying a movie. People make it where you can't enjoy movies anymore. So it's like <laughs> cutting that out. And my, probably my, my biggest um, problem always, you know, the last 10 years was the amount of soda I consumed. I mean, ridiculous amounts. Um, I was probably drinking 3000 calories a day. Uh, and, you know, I was addicted to Coca-Cola. I mean, easily, you know, six to 10 cans, the equivalent of that kind of liquid. And that just, you know, I think now soda has uh, beaten uh, white bread as the worst thing you can consume. I don't know if white bread is, you know, should be up there with soda, but it's just all those empty calories. And it's just, you know, all those empty calories and all that sugar I was taking in. and. Um, you know, I would try, you know, the, the issues I've had with my, um, you know, in my early 40s, I was tested for uh, my testosterone and it was 160 when, in my early 40s. Knowingly, it was, uh, that was what I was tested and I found out 160. And over the course of the next few years, I had to go twice a month for uh, testosterone shots. Once a month would not work. It went through my system too fast, whatever it was. And I quickly gave up on that because it was nine to five. I had, I didn't have to make an appointment, but I had to go between nine to five and a nurse would give me a shot. And it was just like, I work, I can't get here. So I wasn't getting the testosterone. And it's, it slowly started uh, to move up where it was in the 300, 
range last year, which I was surprised. That was the highest that had been in 15 years uh, from the time I was 40 till the time I was 55. And it, but it's still kind of, you know, it wasn't a concern until my doctor told us under 200 because he says, well, 200 is low average, but that's like, man, I'm not 87 years old. <laughs> you know, you know, at the time I was 40 and it's like that, what is it going to be when I'm 60 or 70 or 80 years old? And then I think we were both surprised when I had my testosterone checked earlier this month and it was 7:30, So it almost doubled, uh-huh. and he, which shocked me because i don't even think you expected it because i i think you might have said well it might go down a little because of the weight loss but then you know it, it just something removed from my diet we'll say it was you you that help me <laughs> it would definitely we'll use that 30. as a sale point but, but I, I was able to see consi- for the for the few clients that did have their uh, blood work done before the program and after the uh, program it does consistently come in higher some it comes in a lot higher than others i've never seen it actually get Lower. It almost doubled. All right. It, but I was shocked that it almost doubled. And now it is high normal. And I don't know if most men in their 20s have over. I'm going to say most men over 25. Once you're out of school and you start working and your eating uh, becomes poor and you're, you're not going to the gym anymore, I bet it's not 700 for most of those people. Actually, uh, most early 20-year-olds are below 600 these days. And just to give you guys an uh, example, sure. and just to give you guys an example, Charlie Leakes is like fifty-six years old and came in at like was it seven fifty nanograms per deciliter? I forgot the exact number. Uh, seven fifty. I'm sorry. Uh, the oh. testosterone reading was oh, it, 7... it was it was seven thirty. Oh, seven thirty. Okay, seven thirty nanograms per deciliter compared to the average twenty, like young twenty-year-old these days is below six hundred. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's basically twice more than twice their age for the most part. So. And uh, for healthy males, that is a normal number for your age group. Uh-huh. A lot of people don't think it is because once again, like I mentioned like a million times over in every podcast, that pathology like mental and physical illness has become mm-hmm. unfo- unfortunately normalized in American culture. I don't know your take if, if you have a take on that, you know? Uh, um, I don't know if I have a take on that. I just, I just look at him, you know, in ego... Uh, He's the egomaniac kind of type of, you know, I just look at me and um, it's just kind of incredible that I never expected it. You know, and I'll be honest, and I had told you there was a time where in my in my mid 40s, I said, let me try steroids briefly. I said, oh, my my system's already shot. I don't have to. I'm not having children. My my testosterone cannot get any lower than it is at this point at 160 i thought i had nothing to lose and i really had no effect i tried it for like six to nine months and i i knew knew there was quality to the steroids and stuff that i was using but it was it was just it didn't work it just i saw other people were having a great reaction i thought is there something physically wrong with me where i'm not having any kind of reaction to this and I, I don't know what in my system, and you know better than I, what in my system has changed. Drastic. Well, your body fat went down a tremendous right. amount. Right. That alone like, okay. would bump up the test in most people quite a bit. I'm sure that's probably what it is. I just wish I had really kept better track of when I had, you know, when you, you know, especially uh, when you have low testosterone, you have to get it checked very frequently so they can adjust how much testosterone they're giving you. So I was going three or four times a year. 
just to have my blood checked. Mm -hmm. And I wish I would have kept track of this is how much I weigh now. Um, and to see how that affected it. Or the doctor should have said something to me. It's like, you know, I don't, I don't ever recall a doctor telling me you need to lose weight and it's going to help your testosterone. Not once did somebody say, you know, if you want to help your testosterone, you know, I, I have a friend who's almost 400 pounds. He's my age. And I can't believe that, you know, I, I guess a doctor just tells after a while, a doctor is like a trainer. How many times can they tell you to lose weight? And he, he you know, he comes to me and he says, no surprise. You know, my friend will say, when I had my physical today, no surprises, no, you know, no, and he means no health issues. I said, but you're on so much medication. And to me, the surprise is that there is nothing um that you that you are and you know don't be surprised that when you do have a heart attack just because you went to the doctor today doesn't mean you can't have a heart attack tomorrow and don't say it was unexpected it's i tell him you're 400 pounds it's gonna happen sooner or later and and it's not going to be a surprise when it happens you know because you're on all these pills and, you know, I just get an attitude from him. And it's like, you're 400 pounds. You've been this big. For, you're 55. You're lucky you're 55 years old. And you have a history of heart disease in your family. And, um, yeah. you know. I feel like, like even if, yeah, I feel like, sorry to interrupt. I feel like no. even if they don't have a heart attack, for example, just living like that lowers the quality of your life tremendously day to day. You don't I even see, have to wait for something. Negative. It's like every day is negative. Basically. No, I mean, when I see when I'm back east and I, you know, I'm with him and I see him try to get in out of a car. And I mean, it's to think, OK, I was 310. He's 100 pounds more than I ever was. And just to see him move or when he leaves voice text, he's always out of breath and he's just walking and you can hear him huffing and puffing. It's like, I hope you make 60. And, um, you know. It's just weird what a doctor will and will not. You know, I guess a doctor just gives up at a certain point. It's like, how many times am I going to tell you to lose weight? You yeah. know you're overweight. Um, this is all I could do. I could check your blood. I can put you on more medication. I mean, he's on like four or five pills um, be just because of his size. And I mean, to, to see, I mean, I should have taken pictures of my ankles before and after. Because it, it was amazing how they would blow up during the day. When I, you know, and this only started happening in my fifties, it was like, I could feel my socks getting tighter or shoes. Mm -hmm. I would, I would have to loosen shoes at the end of the day. And, um, you know, it's funny cause I used to have very hairy calves and suddenly the hair started got, uh, disappearing. And I asked my doctor and he says, well, that's from when your, so your socks are too tight and your pants are too tight on your calves. It just, you know, the hair comes off and it doesn't grow back. So it was, uh, that was a kind of a funny, you know, be, being overweight. It's like, oh, I, you know, I lost hair on my calves just because of that. But watching my ankles balloon up during the day, kind of funny. And you, yeah. I mean, it was visually, you could see they're like an inch and a half, two inches thicker than they were when I woke up this morning. Uh, just everything, moving, a flight of steps, walk, being able to walk my dog for an hour at a time. You know, you, I couldn't do those things prior. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of tough these days for doctors to practice too, you know. And there there's some pretty damn amazing doctors out there, but it's oh, just uh, the model is uh, especially if they work in like a huge hospital like Kaiser, for example. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
you kind of almost get punished for spending more than five minutes with your clients, right. you know, with incoming clients. So there's that time constraint. And obviously we did like a three hour assessment and I got those assessments. Three to four for, hours. Yeah. And I got those assessment protocols from like Paul Cech, uh, Stuart McGill and other coaches I've personally hired over the mm. years, uh, various aspects of them. And I find that's, that's usually for most people, for some people you might need actually more time, but for, for a lot of people, that's at least how much time you need to really get to know what's leading to the issue and their starting place to give mm. them proper answers. Because mm. I don't forgot where I heard this from. I think it's from Stuart McGill, but if, if you're not assessing, you're guessing, mm -hmm. you know, and it's so important to know, especially, you know, the belief system or the behaviors that led to a certain issue, because if those aren't changed, mm. ironically, if mm. the person that's leading to the issue isn't changed, the issue keeps coming mm -hmm. back. Like, for example, mm -hmm. uh, obviously, let's say you have um, a family member that has a gambling problem. Mm -hmm. It's not going to mm -hmm. help them if you just keep giving them money. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? Uh, so just a kind of quick example. It's the same thing with any, for the, for the majority of, with almost any health issue outside of like car accidents, you know, falling down the steps, um, like you caught your one friend, you know, and then ended up having that arm injury. Those right, things happen right. for sure. But outside of that, you know, most chronic health issues in terms of most health issues, almost everyone is struggling with these days mm -hmm. is just the person doing it to themselves, mm -hmm. you know? So you have to change the person so they stop doing it to themselves because outside of that, like you can give them who knows how many nutrition programs and they're important at a certain stage and, and workout programs and whatever lifestyle programs, just the issue, the issue will keep coming back really if it's not changed at that level. That's huge. Mm -hmm. um, and as you know, I spend most of my program just doing that, you know, mm -hmm. just changing, just changing the person at that level. Um, but you met, you mentioned like a few things kind of rewinding back a little bit here. You mentioned, uh, the money issue with eating healthy right. and I'm, I'm a huge proponent of this. And I've spoken to you about this a million times over. And I do hear a lot of people say like, you don't even need to eat organic food to lose weight first and foremost, right. or to achieve optimized health, you know, even whole food not from the store, just like the steak, you know, the chicken mm -hmm. itself, even if it's factory farmed is still such a massive upgrade from what people are eating these oh, days sure. in general. But you're looking at, um, you know, the average American spends eight to $16,000 a year on non-essential expenses, no problem. Mm -hmm. And they have absolutely, most of them absolutely have no problem with this whatsoever. No absolutes, of course, this is just speaking with, uh, in terms of the general population, mm -hmm. uh, non-essential being you know like eating out with co-workers mm -hmm. uh, with friends on the weekend which could add up to a lot just in and of itself uh travel like the average american is spending close to three thousand mm -hmm. dollars a year on travel um designer jeans you know god knows that's essential right. and everyone needs that that's like bs i'm obviously joking here and you know little projects here and there that are totally non-essential whatsoever and really at the end of the day if you evaluate in detail add no value to the person's life mm -hmm. If anything is just like a sugar high at best, um, and then you're back to exactly right. what led to issue ABC, and but you're short eight to sixteen thousand dollars now, you know, mm. which I'm sure could have been way better invested in, in uh, things that could actually add lasting lasting happiness to you. But it's those same people that say like, oh, you know, I don't have money to eat healthy or organic. Well, you know, the a, a two thousand calorie organic diet per year costs like five thousand right. bucks about you know it depends mm. on really which items you buy etc cetera, etc cetera. 
but it's those same people that are spending like eight to sixteen thousand dollars a year on non-essential bs then they turn around and tell you they don't have five thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. for organic food and i'm like well if you're on a bunch of medical drugs and overweight like what do you think would benefit you more you know like another sugar high maybe a trip or something of that sort i see a lot of people that are on medical drugs and very overweight not saying they shouldn't travel but i'm just saying if i were in their situation and if i was just on a bunch of medical drugs and just very overweight i'd rather spend that money on coaching or going to courses myself yeah going to courses myself to help me get rid of that because if i just get rid of that just the quality of my overall life day to day minute to Mm -hmm. minute improves dramatically Mm -hmm. um because obviously, like, you know, the state of your mental and physical health is going to set the ceiling with how happy you are. Mm-hmm. Like, you could be very successful and, like, say, even very loved by your community or something of that sort. But if you're just very, you know, mentally and physically not well, let's say your grade of health is at a C, but your accomplishments in life are at an A, mm-hmm. your perception of quality of happiness in your life is going to be at a C. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be as high as you are mentally and physically healthy. Like, okay, you know, uh, you want to be a successful computer programmer or writer in your case. Okay, mm. like, how are you going to do that if you're struggling with uh, chronic depression, you know what I mean? Or chronic lower back pain or whatever, et cetera. You're just not going to be able to enjoy those activities mm. and most likely burn out on those activities as well and actually end up, you know, uh, not liking your work eventually as well and stuff of that sort. So the money is definitely there. I just feel like uh, the core values in America have shifted to- towards the ne- like some delusional negative in the sense mm. that um, a lot of Americans have somehow been brainwashed to believe what's not important is important. Mm-hmm. And what is important is really not that important. Like a lot of people for sure say, you know, yeah, of course, mental and physical health is important. No one's going to freaking deny that. But then you look at their actions and it's the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. And a good reflection, a good practice people can do is look at your finances and see where all your money is going and look at your weekly schedule. Mm -hmm. Is it at all reflective of a health conscious lifestyle? And if it was nine out of 10 Americans right now, wouldn't be metabolically sick, which is actually Mm -hmm. the statistic. I'm not even making this up. You can go to pubmed.gov, anyone on this live and check it out for yourself. And, um, no, it's just kind of sad to see. I don't know now that you've lost, you know, weight and are actually trying to trying to gain weight. Do you kind of see it more often with other people and just how common that's become? Hi everyone. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. I'm curious, have you ever been confused by the labels in the grocery store? In Yevgeny's book, he demystifies the difference between caged, cage-free, free-range, and pasture-raised meats. He also covers how to avoid GMOs, source high-quality water, fish, supplements, and other related topics. It's a beautifully illustrated, non-technical read that comes with a comprehensive video series and other extended learning materials. Jump on Amazon and check out the book titled Anti-Factory Farm Shopping Guide by Evgeny Trefkin. Now let's dive back into the podcast. I mean, like like I mentioned, just for the fact of going to the gym and watching those so overweight people lift heavy amounts of weight and being cheered on, and it's like all I see is you're just you're gonna have, you're so un- you look so unhealthy, you know. When you leave this gym, you, you know you just have all this extra weight, or just 
yeah, yeah, of course, you, you become so sensitive to watching what people eat or how, you know, how people move. And it's like when you see somebody heavy, you know, you sympathize for a bit, but it's like you can change. It's something you can change. You know, there are a lot of comedians who takes, you know, flack for, you know, especially comedian Ricky Gervais, who used to be heavy. And he, you know, he takes a lot of flack now for, you know, once in a while he'll have a joke on somebody who's overweight. But but he says it's like, you know, it's for the most 95%, it's that person can change. You know, how dare you compare that person who's overweight to somebody who has cancer and they're both a disease what, where one is almost always controllable, um, either mentally, or, you know, both mentally, mentally and what you're consuming. And he takes so much flack with that. But it's like, I completely agree with him. And where it's like, you can control how big you are for the most part. And don't say you have a disease or you can't change. It's, it's very difficult to do. And you really, you know, get past that first week. I tell people that's the hardest week. It's like, once you get past a week and you see you've lost a few pounds, uh, but I see it everywhere. It's just like, and, you know, you just see entire families where everyone is just so overweight and what what the parents are feeding the kids and you know oddly i am the only overweight person in, you know in a large italian family i was the only one who had weight issues everyone else never had a weight issue both sides of my family but for me you know it, it's just um but i see it in everyone it's you know it, it's the other way too where i have friends who are in incredible shape and they have this you know they have such a body dysmorphia you know, I mentioned to you, I have a friend who's a trainer and he, he's in his 40s and he looks incredible. But he, he, you know, he got he had his body fat tested and it was 16 percent. And it just he kind of, you know, he, not that he had a breakdown, but I know that's all he thinks about now is he's at 16 percent. He doesn't look it. He has an eight pack. I don't know where it is, this 16 percent. But it's just, like, yeah, you see it in it. You become hypersensitive to everyone around you and what they're eating. And. I think you know me well enough where I have I don't have pity for most people or anything. <laughs> I'm kind of sarcastic. And, you know, I have this attitude where I look at people pessimistic or sarcastic. And it's like, it's your own fault. You know, yeah. I, I will call you out. And because it's like, especially that it's like, you know, where people are, you know, hey, don't fat shame her or certain personalities when I see them on Facebook. You know, where, where even where people and this is a huge problem where, you know, you see p- people who are proud to be fat online or perform, you know, big is beautiful. Uh, I'm like, you're... Uh, it's maybe, a facade, come on. It's a facade, and because I've been 350, maybe it's easy for me to say, you know what, you're, you know, there's a, uh, a singer or a performer, Lizo, and she's enormous. She's like 300 plus pounds, and she's a big is beautiful, and she always looks, you know, she's dressed to the nines. And I commented, I said, she's a walking billboard for being unhealthy. There's going to be so much wrong with her, you know, and, you know, it's having the opposite effect where, you know, people will look at her and say, she's big, she's beautiful. And people will emulate her or not, or, or they'll be 300 pounds and they'll say, look at her. But it's like, no, there's so much inside that's going to be wrong with you. If not now, it's going to happen to you. You know, you can't be 300 pounds for it. And it's, it, that's one of the things in society that bothers me worst. You know, big may be beautiful visually, 
but you know don't if you know a little fat shaming helps in a sense where hey you're not going to be healthy but it's that whole you know it's better to look good than feel good and you you know what we've changed of standards anyway that's great you know but it's like no you're not it's going to catch up with you one day you know and you're just going to get bigger and it's going to get harder to lose weight and it's not big is not beautiful you know <laughs> it's gonna it's just gonna it's gonna cause you a lot of pain at yeah. certain points and it's just like no it is causing I, causing them a lot of pain even daily and they've kind of normalized it, it. Yeah. they kind of normalized sure. it probably you know so to kind of have cognitive dissonance and distance and distance themselves away from that level of pain but even that's kind of like putting patches on a broken dam you know oh for sure that's I mean, gonna a, crack eventually a big difference from when i was a kid i would have to go to the husky department of stores to get my clothes which i don't think exist anymore you know you would go to sears or you know it was husky boys and that's where you got you know all the big clothes for a fat little boy they don't exist anymore because most kids now are have some kind of a weight issue so they're just mixed in you know and it was kind of even at 10 or 12 years old it was embarrassing to go into a husky section because that's what you know especially you know kids are the most vicious when you know you're in the fat section of a clothing store and they don't exist anymore and you know maybe a little more of that shaming is people need to be shamed a little uh because you know as terrible as that sounds if they don't have the motivation if people tell them hey being 300 pounds is acceptable then why are they going to lose the weight yeah you know and if they feel okay at a certain point but it's no you're not trust me it's a difference between 30 and 50 where i, I barely can move and it's going to catch up with you and it's gonna, i think it's all going to get worse i mean if anyone mm -hmm. has seen the movie um wally did you ever see the movie wally Ollie, I'm you should the, pretty, no i i'm pretty sure i did it's just it must it's be just, old. it's just uh yeah it's about 15 or 20 years old but the whole premise is uh, at a point society has gotten so overweight everyone is overweight they're moved around in chairs from place to place and because they had to do less and less and they had more time to eat you, you should go back and watch it because that's literally what society is becoming where we become so stationary uh, most of us can work in front of a computer or even not, you know, when you see somebody who is very, you know, again, I was very physically active, but I was still 350 pounds. It's just this whole, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to change, if that's going to change because it's just getting worse. People are just getting fatter. It's becoming more acceptable and you can't say anything now or you're, 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 you're sent out, <laughs> you're cast out of society telling somebody they're too heavy yeah. yeah and it hurts and it hurts and it's always it's tough for me to kind of sometimes communicate it because i do feel sometimes like oh you know eugene you're coming off a little harsh you know what i mean when you say certain things this way but um it's just so tough to see because you know being on like medical drugs being you know mm -hmm. very overweight is totally not normal mm -hmm. at all and people do see it as normal they're like well it's my genetics or right. my age. I mean, I love how you said, no, it's you. It is true. Yeah. It's totally the person and now, which now is you... fine. It's nothing to be like worried about. And I feel it's so powerful when you say it's you, because mm. here's the good news. If you're doing it to yourself, I got this from one of my coaches, Brian Carroll, you can stop doing it any time. Right. You know, it gives you all the power. If you do need, if you don't know how to, sometimes people just don't know how to, 
Dude, you could become your own mechanic. That's an option. Right. Start reading books, right. go to courses, but you have to, you can't just think the answer is going to come to you out of the blue. You have to educate yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to go to courses or you just hire a, a damn mentor. And yes, you have the money for all this stuff. Like, like I said, the average American spends eight to $16,000 a year. No problem a non-essential BS. And a good coach is going to be far less than that amount in a course in a health course right. is for sure going to be less than, than that amount. And books are, you can get for like a dollar on the use section on Amazon these days, you know? And literally what it comes down to, if you can't afford anything, if you just cut your calories, if that's all you have to do until you say, okay, I'm losing, you know, and it's that whole idea too, that everyone has, I've got to lose five pounds a week, go for one pound a week. And within a year, what, all you have to do is cut back on what you're eating. It costs you nothing. You're going to save money eating less food. You're going to lose weight. And it's just, you know, it's, you know, and I look to it when I see a fat mom and a dad feeding a fat little kid in a restaurant. You know, if you don't like the way I'm saying that, it's like, it's so, you can control what goes in that little kid's mouth. Mm -hmm. You know, at least if you're not, and I guess you do at that point have to set by example because of the, the, the nine-year-old child sees you eating poorly, yeah. they want to know why they can't eat it. It's like, to me, that's like the best circumstance. There's a group of you. Do it together. You know, you know uh, it's, you know, because it's the one, like, you, everyone knows better than I. It's, it's the one thing you, you can't give up cold turkey is food. Not like drugs or booze or gambling. You have to continue to eat. You know, I mean, it's just kind of, again, for people who don't know, I'm a comedy writer, so I find I find you in anything. To me, there is no line. So, I mean, when I go into a store, into a Target, and see a very obese model where they have the clothes dressed up, I can only laugh at that because you're just making it much more acceptable. When you have a 300-pound store dummy, to me, I just the jokes go through my head. And you're just making it easier for people. Yeah, it's just normalized pathology. It's, I know it sounds terrible to most people, but it's not terrible. It's, no, it's, it's but for most people, you get called out on something like that, and it's like you know, you know, you can change it. You can change it. You it's, don't have to look like that store dummy. I mean, <laughs> it's trying to. It should. We shouldn't be kind of called out on anything because it's like you're genuinely trying to help people. It's like right. trying to convince the drug addict that doesn't even know he has a problem that it is a problem. Right. You know what I mean? And overall, it will help them long term if they just get rid of the drugs. And food are basically like drugs for most people, it, you know, they use drug. it as, it as symptom management. And uh, like I men mentioned a million times, food, you know, it, a lot of people just are are not being true to themselves in this world. And it's a bit a bit hard sometimes. And food, guess what? It always accepts you for who you are at right. the end of the day, which a lot of people don't have. They always have to be this fake persona to keep their job or, or their relationship going. They're not being their genuine self. They're being kind of like an actor. And mm. food doesn't require you to do that. It mm. just accepts you for who you are, whatever you are. And it gives you love, you know, mm. love in terms of pleasure without asking right. any questions. Right. Which at the end of the day is what kind of we all want at the end of the day, just to be accepted for who we are, mm. even if it's not that much, you know, mm. it's like, okay, well, that's who I am. and just accept me for that right and if and if that happened then a lot of this maladaptive behavior wouldn't need to arise you know mm. and um i don't know it's just man it's just so sad to see especially now with uh i don't know if you heard this stat but uh the number one reason for personal bankruptcy in the u.s is is health issues 
Mm, no, for sure. Accounting for close to 70% of all personal health, uh, personal bankruptcies. Mm. And that's scary when you consider that nine out of 10 Americans are metabolically sick right now. What's going to mm. happen to the economy as well? Uh, and if you count the total amount of health expenditure per citizen, it's about $14,000 per year mm-hmm. for medical expenses related just to, for the most part, being overweight. Mm-hmm. Um, and once again, remember, same exact people will tell you they don't have 5000 a year for organic food. Right. You know, I'm like, dude, you are spending God knows how much. But like, uh, but like you said, if, if, it come, if it came down to that uh, and organic food is too pricey, don't get the organic yeah. bananas. Get the regular bananas. Yeah, which is still solid. Right. Exactly. It's better than a bag of chips. You know, don't get the, you know, uh, the grass fed, uh, any kind of meat, you know, get the, you know, if you have to, you know, do it that way. You could still do it. Or if, let's face it, folks, if you're smart enough and you go to the self-checkout and you just put in the number for the uh, regular as opposed to the organic, you could be sly and do that too, where you're, you're, you're not paying for the organic, which I get a kick out of. Um, but it's, it's like, yeah, you can, you can still eat healthy uh, on a budget. You know, it's, you know, bananas, 25 cents for a banana. You know, you know, just a bag of carrots, $2 for a big bag of carrots. Uh, even organic carrots are not expensive. They're only like 50 cents more a bag. Mm-hmm. But if you need, the, if that 50 cents is important, then you get the non-organic carrots. You can do it, you know. Don't spend $3 for a bottle of water, you know. You know if it just things, I mean, to me, it's like when you watch people, especially now where they'll spend ten dollars a day on just coffee mm-hmm. start i mean how people have gotten and it's like i look at people now with cups of coffee and it's like oh you look so pretentious carrying that starbucks around where i'm from a day where if somebody was carrying around a cup of coffee they usually were a blue collar person on the job working outside and they had a styrofoam cup or uh, a blue and white paper cup and they were workers it's, it's like it's complete just i look at it that way so now it's like I look at people walking their dog with their $10 coffee or $5 coffee. And it's like, oh, you look so pretentious. Maybe it's such an L.A. thing, you know, and they have a yoga mat under their other arm too, walking in L.A. Yeah, it's usually it's like, out of plastic too, you know. You right. Drink out of plastic you know, and then it's non-organic coffee. You get all those like synthetic biocides in there and, that are heated in the plastic. Right. It's probably like drinking a big glass of sugary juice mm-hmm. or there's so much fat in it. You might as well have a milkshake. Because I think most of the people will go, they're not drinking black coffee or black espresso. It's filled with cream or something of that nature where, hey, I would rather have a milkshake than a cup of, you know, than something like that. That's costing me five, six or seven dollars. And, you know, people do that twice a day. You know, I've had workers and friends, even people at the gym, I see. The gym is right next to a Starbucks where I'm sure a lot of them are. It's like, man, you're drinking that all sugary drink. You know, you're not going to even burn off. You might as well have not gone to the gym because then you wouldn't have gone to the Starbucks next door and consumed 800 calories, which you're not going to burn off in the time you're at the gym. So you're better off not even going out and, you know, you know, make your own coffee at home, black coffee, and just drink it like that, which I do. Yeah. And it's kind of like, like I always tell people, it's like, man, you're funding your own pathology. Right. I mean, not only are you doing doing it yourself you're funding it yourself with your hard-earned money oftentimes as well and um i don't know they still keep doing it even when they admit that even when i sometimes 
look like sometimes they would say, no, I'm not. And then we look over the person's finances and it's like they clearly right. are. And they're going, right. oh, okay. And right. then they still keep doing it. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you clearly, uh, there's something clearly like mentally wrong here. Once again, the, the core values are all over the place in the US. And um, it's, just, it's just a core values problem. You know, people mm -hmm. have normalized like mental illness and physical illness in their life. And not only have they normalized it, they're they're funding those those mm. projects themselves and keeping um, keeping that show going. Like since you're a comedy writer, George mm. Orwell, I forgot his name mm. exactly. Older older comedy guy, Corwell, uh, George Corwell. But he mentioned, "Oh, welcome to the freak show all the time," you know. Uh. And it's kind of like what what society has become. It has become like a cesspool of normalized pathology. People think mm. it's totally normal to be on a bunch of medical drugs, overweight, mm. constantly tired, uh, sitting in front of a computer all day. Mm. Uh, it's common for sure. It's, it's just a vicious cycle. And then society. they teach their kids to be the same exact way as you've mentioned, which is the mm. saddest part. That's totally like child abuse, you know? Um, I mean, like there's one, I don't know if you heard of that one story. There's this one woman that uh, went to McDonald's and, um, uh, she got some McNuggets or something like that. And, and the kid was eating it and one of them slipped out and fell onto her lap and ended up burning her leg. And right. um, she won like $800,000 or something super stupid yeah. like that. Uh, but I'm that's... like, dude, where's the crime of taking your kid to freaking McDonald's? That's showing that you have like, in my opinion, when people show pictures of them eating at fast food places, that's kind of like bragging about having a low IQ. Well, I mean, it wasn't so much fast food when I was a kid, but I wish it's like, I wish that my grandparents or my parents, it's like the one time you truly can be 100% controlled what you're eating is when you're a child. You know, you, you eat what you're given. And it's like, man, if my grandmother, you know, it's like you want to, you know, nobody loves you more than your grandmother. You know, it's like my, I had a grandmother who would feign crying if I didn't eat. And then she would smile when I ate. Very, very traditional, you know, and I was the first grandchild and the first male grandchild, which is a huge deal. So I was spoiled. It's like, man, it's like, I, it's like you can control everything that goes up until you're like, you know, 10, 11, 10 years old. Everything is controlled that goes into your mouth. That's the best time not to be overweight. And it's like, you're just making, you know, now it's more of a pacifier. I guess it's always as a pacifier food it, you know it quiets the child you know um anyone who hasn't seen it so watch the movie fatso with dom delo from 1978 it's a damn funny movie but it's also true to life as to um you should watch it eugene um it's just that's the typical italian experience and it's this man's struggle with weight up until adulthood and um it's like it I think it appeals more to italians just because it's like you see yourself everyone sees themselves in that movie but I'm sure everyone who has had a weight issue sees something they connect with in that film. And it's just like, um, you know, for, to me, that is a crime when you're giving a child that kind of kid. I mean, even going to the movies now, you see the kids, it's not only bad for you to eat, it's so expensive. I mean, like when I was going and I was eating, it was like $30 just at mm -hmm. the concession stand for 15 minutes of gratification of eating that junk food, 15 or 20 minutes, $30, you know, you're paying $8 for the, 
the equivalent of soda where if you bought the bottle, you know, is a dollar or two dollars, you know, and I'm sure you two have seen the ridiculousness of the bigger the bottle gets, the less expensive it is, where a 20 ounce bottle of Coke is two dollars and 50 cents and the big 64 ounce is a dollar, you know, when you find it on sale. And that's kind of crazy. And, you know, just the expense and, you know, again, it comes down to you. You, you just, you know, and I think everyone has to hit kind of rock bottom in a way. You know, that's the saddest part. Yeah, it's like right. that that is the saddest part. It's not it's, like it never went. It's like, oh, I, I've got 10 pounds to lose when it's nothing. 10 pounds is nothing. You know, it's better than having to lose 140 pounds. It's like 10 people, you know, let that 10 power, even if you're the kind of person who's like, that's my goal is whenever I lose, whenever I gain five pounds, that's my cutoff. Whether you're eating healthy or not, that's a lot of discipline to say, you know, I'm 190. I'm never going to be above 195. When I'm 195, that's when I start watching again. Now, you may not think that's a, the proper way to do it, but if you could do that, it would be so beneficial to you. Well, you know, it just, you know, but to me, I always, I had that number and then it would be, oh, 195. Then, oh, okay, as long as I'm not 200, then I would hit 200 and it would go up. And, but if you have the discipline to know when you're a certain weight, to stop and just t take control and but you don't most people don't mm -hmm. yeah and most people don't too because once again all of their friends are the same way right which i find one of the biggest oh, it's so social so social yeah. well one of the biggest problems with people that accomplish that i see with really high relapse rate and there are a couple of variables to consider here not just this one uh but one of the reasons a lot of people like i mentioned that 95 percent mark of people mm -hmm. that lose weight end up regaining it. 95% of people regain the weight is because one of the reasons what I found is they stay in the same environment and around the same mm. friends and family members where the weight gain has occurred. Now, of course, there's mm. an external environment to consider and also an internal environment, but that's like a big one is people accomplish a goal and then they continue to associate with the same friends continue to go to the same job, the same environment, where a lot of people that I see have created lasting change in the sense they've done a fat loss program and haven't had to do one ever again. Mm -hmm. And I've interviewed some people in the group that have finished the program 10 years ago, mm -hmm. you know, 12 years ago, and are even leaner and more muscular now than they were even when they finished the program, mm -hmm. is typically I see that they either switch jobs or change careers or change states altogether or got out of some kind of love-hate relationships, you know, uh, something of that sort. And there had to be some kind of dramatic environmental change because if they stayed in the same environment, it's there are no absolutes, of course, but if they stayed in the same environment, the chances of relapse, in my opinion, are extremely high. Mm -hmm. And it, a good example is like, imagine a person that finished a drug rehab center and then they go back to the same exact right. environment with the druggy friends and probably they don't have work either, you know, because they've been in this rehab center for a while. So that's going to uh, be a contributing factor in their relapse as well. Of course, they're going to go back on drugs. You don't even mm -hmm. have to. You don't even have to be a PhD in psychology to predict that. And it's the same thing with with fat loss programs or any well, health health issues. Well, I mean, that's that's my circumstance, and you know, my circumstance too. I'm a writer. I've worked on sitcoms, but for the, like, since COVID, I work at home, I work alone. And the biggest problem of working in a room with a bunch of writers on a sitcom, even if you're not a writer, if you work in that environment, 
is you eat free all day. You're around the table. You order at the best restaurants for lunch and dinner. The food comes to you. You're not paying for anything. You're with a group of writers. And even when that food is not brought to you, there is so, you know, television is the writer's world. The writers are the kings. You keep the riot, kings and queens. You keep everyone happy. When, the, when you weren't having lunch or dinner brought in, there was a kitchen stocked with food, mostly junk food. In between, you know, lunch and dinner, somebody would run out for yogurt or ice cream. The same after dinner, if you worked late, somebody would run out, a PA would run out and get coffee and yogurt. So you're sitting at a table, the long days, 12 or 15 hours, and all you're doing is eating for 12 or 15 hours for free, you know, and, and you try to bring your own food and it just doesn't win out. <laughs> it doesn't, you're going to lose. But, you know, you can't, when you have 12 other people around you eating and you're smelling that food and you have your chicken breast and rice and vegetables, it's, you know, and then when those aren't there, you have big bottles and jars and containers of junk food right on the table within arm's reach. And it's like, oh, I'll just have a handful of peanuts. And then you've like, oh, well, during the course of the day, you've probably consumed an entire jar of peanuts mm -hmm. on top of everything else you've eaten, which is the worst. You know, it's just, it's the worst circumstance I could think of for somebody who's trying to lose weight. Mm -hmm. It's like, yes, go to the best restaurants in LA. It's not going to cost me a dime. You know, somebody's going to bring it right to me, right in front of me. I have to make zero effort outside of picking something out of the, you know, every show has a huge menu book and somebody would pick the menu for that afternoon or that night. And it's like, bring, bring to me and uh, no limit, no, no $10 limit, whatever I want. It's like, it's easily, you know, you know, most riders, I bet, gain 25 to 30 pounds during the course of the season, you know, and the last, since COVID, I've not had to deal with that. So that's a big deal. Yeah. How do you, how would you, I don't know, like, how would you go back to your old self and convince yourself to do this, this path like a long time ago? Do you even feel your old self would even listen to you at all? Uh, I would hope my old self would listen to me because I just, I never want to be, I never want to be at the point where I have to lose more than a few pounds ever again. Because I think if I ever got back there at this point, again, I'm almost 60. It's like, I would just completely give up and say, what's the point? I'm almost 60 or I'm 60 years old. Uh, I'll just, I'll, you know, it's a lot easier to buy bigger clothes now than it was 20 or 30 years ago. Um, I would, if I ever got to be more, you know, you know, it's like, you know, we've discussed it. It's like, I'll be happy at around 200 pounds, which is a good weight for me. I, you know, I'm 6'1", and if, if there's some decent muscle on me, I'm very happy with that. But man, if I was ever to, you know, the pictures, like when you showed me the pictures you were going to post of me today, and I have that Monster Party t-shirt on, and one, and it's like, I don't remember taking it. You grabbed it from a screenshot. It's like, I can't even look at that picture. And in my mind, oh, I was only 275 in that picture. But it's like, I look like I'm ready to collapse. And, you know, I just look so, you know, the comparison. I don't know how my hair got so great in a matter of <laughs> a year from those before pictures to the after pictures. Maybe because there's a lot less hair. Um, but it's like, if I get to that, I don't feel at this point, I don't.
don't feel, even though it's not the, the greatest amount of weight I've ever lost at once, it's like, I can't, I'm out of, I'm running out of time. It's like, you, you know, you know, you know, how many 60 year olds or 70 year olds have dramatic weight losses, unless it's like they've had a heart attack and they've been told they're going to die if they don't lose a hundred pounds, I would probably give up if it ever came back. And, uh, you know, it takes away all the things I could go back and think of that all that weight prevented me from doing that I didn't want to be, you know, in certain social situations, you know, it's like, you don't, I didn't want to go out when I was 350 pounds or 300 pounds. Um, just the things that prevent, you know, the traveling I didn't do just to think, Oh, I've got to get in an airplane seat and be uncomfortable <laughs> for a flight. Even going home to New York, it's like, I don't want to get in a seat and be that uncomfortable. Well, you know, just the things that take takes away from you. Or even to say, you know, when you, that at that age, that time, 30 years ago, it's like, this is the only, these are the only clothes I can wear. These are the only clothes I could buy because if this is all they sell, you know, you're wearing blue jeans or black jeans and the same shirt variations in color, you know, to, to some people that may not be a big deal. No, but like, like, man, that sounds like me, Charlie. I wear, the well, I, I mean, have like, kind of funny. I have like 20 black shirts. I mean, that's, <laughs> and like, that's how I am now too. But you have the choice that if you didn't <laughs> want to imagine not having the choice that this is all you're going to wear. Because when you went to those Husky sessions or, you know, just go into any store now, it's a little more different. But you see the variety of pants from 32 to, say, 46 drastically drops as you get bigger. You know, it's 10, you know, different types at 32 waist. And maybe you have two or three out of 46. It's, you know, and you're limiting. You've chosen it. But if you didn't have the choice, um, it's a different situation. Yeah. I mean, I'm the same way now. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm in a work environment by myself at my house where I've had pants on one day in the last 18 months. One day I had to wear pants to a memorial service. Other than that, I have shorts on. And usually a black T-shirt, but now it's my choice. And um, you know, you, you know, it's a you know, Einstein used to wear the same clothes every day because mm-hmm. it took away less thinking. It was time not I like wasted. That part. I'm like, that's well, what, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to wear my black T-shirt and black shorts today. You know, Steve Jobs had a closet full of black pants and black shirts because it was something he did not have to think about, and you know, it was brain power, but. You know, it's just I would convince myself not to do it again. I I don't expect to gain that weight back. I'll just throw a sheet over my head, big muumu, and uh, that'll be me. I had a Homer with a muumu on Homer Simpson, but I don't. Uh, I don't know where it is amongst my toys. Well, um, you you mentioned a few things. I mean, one, um, I think also what's important for people to realize they do get into habits of like I'll do it later next month when I get my right. next promotion, whatever. But it's important to realize that in terms of mid-age, a lot of people get this totally wrong. They think it's like 50. Really, for most people, it's 35. And for a lot of people, it's actually oh. 30 is mid-age. Because oh, the average, sure. yeah, yeah, I mean, average American dies at 75. Uh, so mid-age is really 35. So for sure. I, most people one, don't know that. Yeah. One time, dude, Charlie, even one time I got like a 75-year-old. Mm. I did the... Uh, 
intro call that I did with uh, you. Uh, he reached out. He wanted a whatever a consult, and they're like very overweight, um, seventy five years old. And he's like, "I'll do it next year. <laughs> next year when I get this yeah. house." I'm like, "Dude, they don't have any more years left, man." <laughs> you, you, know? you know, I mean, especially if you grab it when you're younger. I mean, I mentioned this to you way back. One of, you know, again, being uh, sadistic like I am, one of the benefits of being in a gym a long time, you know, I've been going to the same gym for 20 years, is that you see people at their physical peak, like high school age, early college, they look incredible. And then just how quickly, five, six, seven years, they completely change. They're mid-20s, they're overweight. It's drastic. And it's because it's like they've, life is you know kind of sucked the life out of them mm -hmm. where they're now you know they have a job they maybe have kids they have you know they have a wife a partner and it's man it, it is drastic in some instances you just see how people change from their late teens early 20s to their mid to late 20s it's kind of drastic 70 it's like you you do need you then as a, as what you do have to really work on a person well do you want to see 80 years old do you want to see 90 years old you know then it becomes really every day is a gift even though it is for everyone if you think like that when you're 75 and you're 300 pounds you know you don't know if you're, i'm trying to think of somebody i can't remember his name and maybe i will uh he was so overweight that it, every morning he he awoke he couldn't believe he was that lucky. I can't think of the person's name. It was somebody very well known who was very heavy. And they were like 400 pounds. And he said to me, the biggest accomplishment every morning is waking up because I'm so heavy and there's so much wrong with me. I can't believe I made it through the night. And I cannot remember whose name it is now. It was somebody very famous. And it's like every day, it's I cannot believe that I woke up because he says, I go to bed expecting that I'm not going to wake up in the morning because I'm this big and I'm middle-aged and there are things wrong with me. And he's right. But of, of course, it doesn't change anything. <laughs> it doesn't change. And I can't remember who it is, but if I remember who it is, I'll send the name and it's like, that's yeah. what it, it is. Another, another common myth I hear a lot of people say like, oh, the weight, um, the weight gain happens due to age or something of that sort, which is totally. Well, I not, told you that. It's totally. Well, right. I, I think it's totally not true like fat loss is easy at any age as you've oh, no, seen I, so 56 I, years old lost um 95 pounds in a year to you and maybe you could bring this up again is where you see charts and it becomes more acceptable the older you get like say i'm at 24 percent body fat which was not considered overweight is not considered overweight say at 56 but at 46 it was considered overweight and even more so at 36. Now you said it doesn't matter or overweight is overweight. You know, it's, it shouldn't that. Okay. And now as I get saying when I'm 66, that 24% body fat will be considered normal, you know, because of my age. Now you're saying that was false. I believe when we first talked or that wasn't your way of thinking. I was just, I was, I was making the point of, uh, people gain weight as they age because they had bad habits to begin with. And as you age, most people take on more responsibility, as you've mentioned with that high school example. Mm. And because they had those bad and unsustainable habits to begin with, it just magnifies then as you take on mm. more responsibility and inevitably you have less time for yourself. 
mm-hmm. you know? And then all of a sudden you're rushed, you are inclined to eat poorly, you're also inclined to stress eat, which a lot of people do. Um, as your cortisol goes up, your body oftentimes will get you to eat foods to bring it down, such as a lot of sugar, for example, and stuff of that sort. Mm-hmm. And um, your friends are like that. Your coworkers have accepted a life of mental and physical pathology, and it doesn't look out of place. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Everyone. Uh, Everyone is doing it and everyone looks like me at that point, for the most part. People, you know, if you're 20 pounds heavier, your friends are probably, you know, they're in the same situation. Your family members around the same age, your cousins, you all kind of look because life has changed and you're not physically active anymore. And everyone starts, everyone starts, I mean, everyone who has a family could see this in pictures from the time they're young to they're old. Everyone gets heavier. It's that it becomes from the one, you know, it's funny because I look at people I went to high school with now and it's like, oh, I'm in better shape than all of them now mm-hmm. because I was, he- you know, again, you know, 240 in high school. And it's like, oh, you all caught up to me and you surpassed me now where you're unrecognizable in a different way from the time you were in high school to what you look like now. And it's like, you know. The saddest part is it's totally yeah. normal. Like no yeah, one that's really. That's what I'm saying. It's absolutely. It, you know? Well, everyone, because it's happening to everyone. Yeah. It has to be normal. It has to be normal. It's happening to all of us, you know, and it is that thin family member becomes the odd one where it's just kind of switched where one fat person, and everyone around you is skinny to there's one or two thin people and everyone else is hell- overweight, mm-hmm. you know. And usually drastically overweight. Yeah, it's not, not even just, like not, yeah. like when I it's first like, started yeah. coaching seventeen years ago, the uh, average person would come in uh, to lose five pounds, right, or right. not even need to lose any weight. They just wanted Tom, some new program, Tom, right. you know, or something of that sort. Now it's like the average person needs to lose like forty or fifty pounds. That's mm-hmm. coming in for coaching. Plus, they have a myriad of health issues mm-hmm. uh, to consider as well. Uh, so just to give you a perspective of how that's changed in like 17 years, you know? Mm. Um, it's, I mean, it's, I don't think it's ever going to go back. It's never going to, it's never going to reverse There's too much money in sick people. That's why. There's you don't much, really make that much right. money off healthy. Like, okay, now uh, they lost money from you because you don't need to take your blood pressure medication anymore. You don't right. need to take your cholesterol medication anymore. You don't even need to take your synthetic testosterone anymore. Right. Uh, you've bumped it up to good enough numbers. You know, you can have like a great physique at 700 plus right. nanograms per deciliter. You don't even need to go to like 1500 or something crazy of that sort. Uh, all of a sudden, now you're not going to have to go to the doctors as often. But it's like they're losing, they're losing money on you. You know what I mean? Well, that, you being that, healthy? That's why there isn't a, you know, a, the most profit is made from aspirin. Where, you know, you think, oh, they don't have a cure for, you know, it's, it's just literally, it's those kind of drugs too, where, you know, you know the over-the-counter Pepto-Bismol, or that's where they make a fortune. That's where a fortune is made. And it's like, they, there is no cure for the common cold. Well, because it's, it's a lot more money in selling over the, you know, things that cost 10 or $20 that you're buying a couple of mm-hmm. times a month, where, you know, there's just there's just no cure for the common cold. Well, maybe there is, and there's more money to be had selling you aspirin and Pepto Bismol than it would be in curing you. Where it's like you know anything, there's more money in the disease than in the cure. Mm-hmm. 
they, nobody wants to get you. And it's a vicious cycle of, we can get you, you know, we can you know, fix what you have, but there's more money in keeping you sick. And, well, quote unquote, I disagree with the word fix. Right. I don't think they're fixing right. anything. You know, they're masking right. one symptom and then creating right. a couple of other symptoms with that procedure or drug that they're giving you. Uh, it would be great if they can actually genuinely fix it and well, come to a resolution to the, of that issue, but it's not the case. You, you listen to all the side effects on just an over-account or something when you watch those commercials. It's like, how many of them have may cause death when you listen to them just for certain prescription items online? You know, when you're watching, it's like, well, I would rather to have take my chance with the disease than all those side effects that could come about from taking the drug, you know, may cause death, you know, you know. I got this from my friend, Jerry Kuykendall, but he's like, you know, you want to do something funny with your friends that are on drugs? Mm -hmm. Tell them, hey, would you eat this food that has these side effects and list the side effects of those drugs? I list the side effects of those drugs and they go like, no. And it's like, well, actually, it's not a food. That's the drugs you're taking. Right. You know, <laughs> it gets them every time. <laughs> and it's just kind of funny. And it's like, you're kind of... If there's nothing you can, if you're going to take the drug and it's going to cause you to die, you, you know, does somebody make, I don't know how you make that clearer to somebody, you know, you take this, yes, it's, it may help your arthritis, it may not, but it could also kill you, you know? And, yeah, but even that, I mean, it's like, um, dude, like I always say, it's, if you have a rock stuck inside your shoe, like take mm -hmm. the rock out and walk pain free. Mm -hmm. Stop keep stop taking painkillers and keeping the rock there instead, mm -hmm. which is basically the symptom management model of healthcare. And you see, um, anyone that takes that symptom management approach, their their issues remain unsolved, unresolved. Mm -hmm. And if anything, they just develop more issues with age and also just look mm -hmm. very aged, like much older than they actually are. Because mm -hmm. once again, you're you're not changing the person that's causing the problem. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And if you never change the person that's causing the problem, the problems always keep coming back. Even if you take, like, for example, high blood pressure is co pretty common. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. You suppress your blood pressure. And, but did you, but the belief system that led to the high blood pressure is also going to lead to a myriad of other health mm -hmm. issues, mental mm -hmm. and physical throughout your lifetime. Like, what are you going to do for that? Mm -hmm. Just take more drugs? which will create mm -hmm. more side effects. And yes, you have that's, to... uh, that's exactly what they're going to do. I know. Then they sure. wonder, it's like, they wonder, well, you know, uh, how come I'm so miserable, you know, or how mm -hmm. come I have low self-esteem because of how I look, you know, or mm -hmm. how come it's a, such a da tough dating scene? Well, maybe mm -hmm. it's a tough dating scene because it's, it's going to be, tough to date when you're very unhealthy right. you know what i mean because you kind of project that energy out outward mm. and stuff of that sort and then they oh it's my genetics that's the one i love the most you know mm. i don't know if you've had a lot of your friends say that or something of that sort they're like oh the doctor said it was my genetics oh, you, that's why you, I have high you hear pressure. that all the time or it's like uh my my parents were fat my grandparents were fat and, and as i mentioned i think it really comes down to i think it's five percent of people who are overweight actually have a health issue where it is um, something physically wrong with them as opposed to just saying that, which is why, you know, I, I, I don't feel sorry for you know, anyone who, who is a victim of a fat joke or not. It's like you, you have the chance to change that. Somebody who has cancer has cancer, you know, and somebody who has another 
deadly disease. You could change, you know, quote unquote, the, the disease you have. It's not normal. Um, you know, just, you know, it gets, gets me in trouble sometimes. You know, it's, you have, you have something they don't have. Take advantage of it. You know, don't take the medicine, you know, just cut back, lose some weight and you're going to feel so much better. Yeah. You know? look better. I mean, what that's that nothing, I get this. I can't wait. I, I think about it. There's something, nothing feels better than look being thin. And in it, I can't remember the exact quote, but in a sense it is, it's like, you just feel so much healthy visually or not. You just feel so much better. And, um, you know, I'm not having heart palpitations anymore three o'clock in the morning that are waking me up. Um, I can get out of bed. I can get out of a car without struggling. Um, you know, it's just how people look at you too. But again, if everyone is 300 pounds, then people are not going to look at you in that way anymore. When I, I was 300 pounds 20 years ago, it's just so more common. Well, what do you, what do you feel, do you have any input on people that are kind of holding back from hiring like a coach? And I understand from their kind of reservation, there are a lot of bad coaches out there too, you know, for sure. And it's tough to find a good one. Like I said, the first thing I say, you know, and without asking a person, you usually know their financial status. Um, It's like just do the calorie cutback. If you can't afford a trainer, or, you know, just try calories and see how that goes. You know, if they're a little more well-off, it's like, okay, you can, can you hire a trainer once a week? And then it's like people who do need that watchdog. And if you have a good trainer, once a week helps where they're weighing. Make sure they weigh you every week. You know, make sure a month, once a month they're taking measurements. You know, if you're not, you know, at least to begin with, you know, they'll motivate you. Um, you'll be responsible, if not to, to yourself, you'll be responsible or you, somebody else is going to judge you in 30 days or a week. And, you know, if that will help you one day a week, you know, and you see what they can afford because, you know, if, if they could afford someone like you, I always say stay away from the people who are like $200, send me $200. I'm an online coach. And, you know, the problem is with social media these days, everyone who's in shape for the most part thinks they could tell other people uh how to get into shape and they have no qualifications i mean you have 20 years of experience but man if you go onto instagram and facebook and youtube any 20 year old who is in shape thinks they can tell other people what to do now they're only going to tell you what to do that got them into shape or got them there they don't have you know it would almost be, in a sense, it's, I guess, almost like being a doctor without having the license. In a sense, you're telling people physically what to do, you know, and, and um, that's wrong. You know, try a program. If someone, you know, I would sell, if somebody couldn't afford a trainer, go to Weight Watchers. You know, be motivated by other people who are losing weight. You know, it is sometimes difficult for men because they are still so female oriented. Any of those. I mean, if people remember, there was a time and you could still see them where Jenny Craig tried to kind of pivot towards men and you would see sports figures in their commercials. Jenny Craig for men. Uh, You know, it's still 
I bet it's still one man for 20 women at a facility like Weight Watchers, but it will help you and it will motivate you. You get weighed in every week still. I think the last time I did it was about five years ago. And then it's just like I lost the motivation to go. And, um, but if somebody could afford, you know, and you, you know, you've got to convince somebody, like you said, where in the long run, it's a lot less expensive to use somebody who knows what they're doing and paying more money uh, than over the course of two years. Well, this is what you're going to spend on food, clothes, other assorted things. But, you know, to them, it's, it's that point of, I'm at the low and this is all I have left to try. And um, like you said, it's not people five or 10 pounds. How many people that come to you that are five or 10 pounds? Do you have people like that? Is that, what would you say is a percentage of people who come to you where, hey, I'm at my right weight, but I just want to turn, you know, I want to go down to 12% body fat. Is that the majority of your clients? What do you see more of? I'll say that's like 2% of, Two percent of clients. So and nothing. Most people are like a minimum of twenty pounds, if not right. more. Twenty would be the minimum. I mean, it, it. There's knowledge on the web, but everyone has a different opinion of what you should do. Everyone has a different opinion, and I, you I'll, just have to weed through them and yeah, know, maybe try someone you think knows what they're talking about. I mean, it's like when I first started with you. It's because I had been following you and I looked at past results. And, you know, you have nothing to lose, at least having that initial, initial consultation and saying, okay, Eugene sounds like he knows what he's talking about. He's not just having me fill out a form. We're going to do all this talking. Um, and that's a big deal uh, to give it, you know, it's not, he's just not in it for my $200. And then he's going to send me a diet in a half hour suited to my, uh, you know, and a workout suited to me. No, I mean, it was much more. Um, and again, you know, you know, it's it's still new, the online situation where you're 2,500 miles away from me. What are you going to do for me? You know, I'm sure some people, that's a big, you know, if it's for that financial, it's like, he's not close to me. He's not in the gym with me every day. Um, you know, he's not preparing my meals for me at home for those people, for that small percentage of who can afford personal chefs. So, you know, it, it depends on the person what you tell them, but you know. Yeah, I would say for That's... anyone looking for coaching, I mean, here's some definite, definite things to look for when you hire a person. Um, I mean, for sure, if they're like, if you show up for the first time and they do a quick Q and A, mm. and then they have you sign a waiver and get you into the gym, that's already a huge red flag. I mean, like mm. I mentioned, uh, the minimum assessment should take like two to three hours minimum. When you first oh, initially sure. meet the person, I think ours was like closer to the three-hour mark. I forgot exactly because it's been a year yes. already. And like everyone, three or four hours we talked. Yeah, and that's kind yeah. of, you're pretty much not going to get that for the majority of trainers. And then on top of that, the really good trainers in person don't really coach. They assess you mm. and they might do like an intro week or something on a new program. But their main thing is really just properly assessing you and writing out a solid plan mm -hmm. for you. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And they're not going to be like a rent-a-friend where they sit and count your reps and stuff of that sort. That's not how most elite coaches coach. Um, unless you're paying them five, six hundred an hour, some even charge eight or nine hundred an hour you know? mm -hmm. and stuff of that sort. 
Um, yeah, I mean, another thing is if they're not like writing out plans for you, like workout plans for you and giving you this information so you know exactly what you need to do Monday through Sunday, mm-hmm. you know, for your workouts and how many other days you need to work out, et cetera, et cetera. And once again, I mean, the biggest thing I would recommend for people is, is just really try your best to stay away from symptom management and mm-hmm. just changing your diet and workout program is still a symptom management approach for most people. You got to meet the problem at the level of the problem. And the problem most of the time is kind of like what you said multiple times, the person, and you right. got to change the person that's causing all of the problems. Well, it's all, it's always the person. Yeah. I think a hundred percent of the time, it's always the person. And without yeah. doing that there, I mean, you're going to be funding the health industry quite a bit because you're mm-hmm. going to be going on one diet after another one medical drug, after another going to one health expert, maybe getting rid of one symptom just to have another symptom pop up a few years later, then you got to spend a few years tackling that symptom. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm going to be their whole life, you know, and I see it all the time. And it's, and it's great money for the health professionals for sure. But it's just a lot of frustration for the individual. And they want, and they're wondering why they're never getting better because inevitably they're just not changing the person that's causing all of their Mm -hmm. problems, you know, and sometimes you do need the education. It's important too, but a lot of times really it's just, it has to happen at that level. Mm -hmm. If you, Mm -hmm. if you want a complete resolution, uh, complete resolution of the symptoms and stuff of that sort. I mean, I would also say, and this is maybe not for people who are listening now because they know you, but for any trainer you go to, I would say, 100% 100% of the time, stay away from a trainer who works for a particular gym, a 24-hour trainer who works for 24, who doesn't come in with you uh, as a trainer. Because those people, I've never seen a single person change what they look like. Um, I know at 24-hour, that particular type of gym, you became a trainer after 24 hours of class, of a program. You went to a 24-hour program and then they would make you a trainer. And those people, you know, they're 100% into signing you up for more training sessions. They really, you know, and this is any gym that has, you know, if you have to go, if you're going to a gym with a trainer, get the trainer from an, you know, who's independent, like you in this instance. Um, uh, because, man, has anyone ever seen somebody who goes to a gym and they've changed with a trainer? that's associated with that gym, never. I've never in 30 years seen anyone. And I know some people are just looking for someone to talk to as I see, but to me, that's the biggest yeah. waste of money because I, I've, I've had trainers who've done that and they say there's so much pressure on them just to get people to sign up for more training sessions. That's all they're in there for. And with those big chains places too, you also see, and I get a kick out of this, it's like they tend to be out of shape. You know, Mm -hmm. somebody who's a trainer only at a 24 hour or, you know, and, you know, I think we briefly talked about Planet Fitness, which literally has a pizza day on Monday and a a bagel day on Sunday where they supply you with bagels and pizza. If you're a member and there's this whole if people could go online, if you're a Planet Fitness, they are set up. Their business model is they want people who are regular people who are going to sign up for the gym and never come back to the gym. That's all they're looking for. They have the minimum amount of equipment, mm-hmm. the basic equipment, 
and all they don't want somebody who's going to be working out there every day and who wants to get into shape i i couldn't believe that. i mean i only found out about this recently where they have a pizza what gym has a pizza day and a bagel day and that's to get you into planet fitness they get your hundred dollars or whatever it is a month and then they never see you again unless it's called they call it pizza day that's kind of crazy but it's like again not their fault they're there to make money but if you fall into that trap yeah, that's your fault. And you should know better that you could do enough investigating online. But go to, you know, go to a trainer who is independent. If that's all you can afford, work with them at least a day a week or her, make them motivate you. And, you know, make them be that way. Maybe you don't have to love them. You know, you don't have to love them that they're tough and you don't want to see them. Those are usually the best trainers where they're going to push you and not listen to you complain, you know, complain or moan. If they can't, you know, if, if they're unable to f- afford your services or something like that. But I've recommended you to people and it's, you know, it's like, it's either, you know, it, it's, they don't, they're not ready yet. They've not hit that low. Even it's like 400 pounds. How much lower can you get than that? You know, and I mentioned to you and when I injured my first arm, it was because I had a 400 pound friend who fell down a flight of steps and I tried to catch him. And it pulled me down and he twisted my arm. He eventually died, um, but he, he knew he had to lose weight and he just took a wrong step, leaving his condo where the elevator wasn't working. He was behind me and he was over 400 pounds and it's just that the, the fall killed him. And uh, I had been c- trying to talk to him. This was before you, you know, you, you got to lose, fr- you know, there was so much wrong with him. There was so much wrong with him. And he was 72 years old and he just didn't care anymore. Mm-hmm. And he kind of I gave up in the hospital, you know. But the, you know, what can you know? You, you can't, you can't force somebody into this, or it's never going to work. Yeah, and the saddest part is, is people like that are the least likely to buy the coaching too. You oh know? yeah. Um, but another another thing to look for in in coaching is, I mean, definitely if the coach is on their phone during the tra- training session, I mean, that's an obvious red flag. Um, if they don't have any game plan when you show up and they're like, what do you want to train today? Or they're just clearly making it up on the fly. That's a massive red flag out personally. Ditch that I'm, coach right away. Now that you said about the phone, I've gone up to three people after they've worked out with their trainer. And I will go up to somebody and say, how can you train with that person? They were on their phone their entire time. When you were doing that exercise, they were looking right at their phone the entire You know, it's like... I'm paying you a hundred, two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. You could at least look at me for the one hour I'm with you. I, I, I mean, it disgusts me because that's so common yeah. now. It that is. you're right. It's bad enough when you're just staring into space and you're paying somebody that kind of money. When you're on your phone now, I'm not paying you two hundred dollars to look on Facebook for the hour I'm with you. That's crazy. They should be, you know, taken out and drummed out of the trainer core, whatever it is. But yeah, you know, it's so common. And also just, um, I also found, honestly, like even if a person has a bunch of degrees or certification, it almost means nothing oftentimes, mm-hmm. because even those college degrees are kind of easy to get. It's not like they're tough majors right. on top of that. And you can get by with C minus grades and still get your degree, oh, yes. even a lot of, yeah. even a few Ds, I'm sure. And then also the same with um, certifications. I mean, mm. a lot of them you can just get over the week, over the weekend if you well, have even a I told, I did, moderate I IQ. 24 hours 
It was a certification you needed to be a, a trainer at a 24 hour fitness. And to 24 be honest, yeah. hours. I mean, to be honest, in California, uh, uh, I don't know for every state, but I know for California because I lived there for, for so long, you don't even need a certification to be a coach. All you okay. need is um, a CPR card and uh, fitness insurance. And I'm uh, sure and that's too, it. I don't know how it is by you, but in LA, I guess it's big where there isn't a block I can't walk where I don't see somebody who's posted a trainer who is, you know, physical trainer, blah, 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 on a piece of paper with the, you know, the tags, you pull the phone number out. And I find those probably are so appealing because they're only charging 25 or $30. You know, that they litter so many telephone poles here yeah. in Los Angeles. I mean, and elite, I have a, it, elite coaches, like I mentioned, are charging multiple hundred an hour. Like Paul Check charges, I don't know, 800 to 1,000 an hour. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, I mean, those guys are definitely worth it. But I'm saying guys that are doing right, it right. for like 20, 30 bucks, that's, that's well, like well, a good red Some flag people right think there. that's all I can afford. Of course, but you can't tell somebody that. I would rather. But yeah. in that case, if that's all I could afford, I'd rather just buy books online and teach myself to be a mechanic than hire those people. I mean, because you'll even, get the wrong information. Right, right. For sure, for sure. And you'll, it won't work. And then you'll get discouraged and do something silly like blame your genetics. And, and then, I, you, know, you know what I, I mean? There are people online you can trust if you investigate. It's like, man, you, like you send me those links with every exercise. Now, if somebody knows what they're doing, they, you know, you could really properly plan if you can't afford somebody, you could go online and find someone who you see is having success, who is a trainer. And to me, I give them credit for that. In certain instances, they're not making any money, you know, showing you how to do a, a, a bench press or, you know, a reverse curl. And this is your form. It's like that didn't exist 15 years ago. You have this great benefit where you don't have that excuse. If you can't afford a trainer, go online. You could find, you, in, if you're somewhat bright, you can find someone who looks like they know what they're doing, who sounds intelligent, who's showing you proper form. I mean, too, you go to the gym now, and I'm also amused by watching fathers and sons work out. And I see everything the father is telling the kid is wrong. And that kid is going to learn everything wrong mm -hmm. until he smarts up and maybe has friends he's working out with at a later time. And that's like, how dad, it is with cheap coaching. Yeah, it's the right. same it's thing. It's like, I'm not going to tell the dad, you know, or I see some, you know, everyone sees people acting like madmen or mad women at gyms. And it's like, I'm not, because then you, you, you say something to them or even try to help them in the nicest way. And they come back with such attitude. Uh, it's not worth telling you, you know, how you, mammy, you would, you know, you're going to hurt yourself like that. Your form would be better. You know, if you did this, your life, you know, you don't, you can't tell people that. So let, let them hurt themselves. <laughs> yeah. I, I find like literally the only thing you can do, even at a doctor's office is like, do they have a long laundry list of successful clients in your mm. same situation? Mm. If they do, that's honestly your best bet right. because that shows they're able to apply apply that information to a variety of different clients with a variety of different challenges and produce results consistently enough mm -hmm. to have all of these testimonials. And I feel that speaks more volume than degrees or certifications or how many followers the person has online. Um, mm -hmm. You have to ask if like the person is so knowledgeable, where are all their successful right. clients? Right. You know, why, why not? Mm -hmm. Why not? show it off if it works so well where mm -hmm. it's like oh you know you've trained a thousand people 
and you have two testimonials. Right. I'm like, what? That's it. Where are the other 998 successful clients? Mm. <laughs> and the rest is just like pictures of the person most often, no one else. You know what I mean? That's it. And if that's you all you have to go on as a client. It's like, if I'm looking there, I'm like, well, where are all their successful clients? Oh, this person does actually have a bunch of successful clients. Right. Okay. It may still not work for you, but there's a greater chance that what they're doing is producing and, results consistently for a lot of people. And it's so easy to reach out to people where if you see somebody online, especially like Instagram, where you see they'll, if they have their success stories, see if, you know, contact 10 or 15 of those people. Maybe you'll get five responses about, about how that individual was as a trainer or was it a benefit? You can do that now. You couldn't do that before. Mm-hmm. You know, even with you, I didn't do that, but it's easy enough where, you know, you propose, you post the success stories all the time. I can go around you and say, Hey, you know, can you give me the, the, you know, the straight on Eugene? It's easy enough to do it with very little effort from your desktop. (laughs) Just, you know, Hey, I'd appreciate it. I'm thinking of signing up with Eugene. How do you feel about him? You know, yeah, that's, that's why I even include the person's name right, in right. the post you know so people right. could do that there's a lot of transparency mm-hmm. um so they could they could reach out and see if the program's right for them but i mean they're they're that's basically all you have going for you it's like oh is the person have a bunch of t- testimonials right. whether it's a doctor or nutritionist or, or dietitian or whatever and if they do then you know it may work for you it may still may not mm-hmm. may not be the right approach for you but there's a greater chance that that person uh, knows not only the information, but how to get people to apply that information mm-hmm. in a society that doesn't once again value mental or physical health. That's mm-hmm. huge. That's that's mm-hmm. a big part right there. Behavior change is the most important because even if you know the right answers, but you're not able to get the person to change their behaviors, well, it's as good as not knowing anything then at that point, right? So, mm-hmm. um, well, that's that's kind of what I wanted to cover with you are there any other things I'm you spent have, yeah this is kind of maybe my longest podcast ever are, i'm sorry have, i apologize no no problem do you have any any other input for people that are kind of like hesitating to go on an honest journey of health and uh, health and wellness there's there, there really is no excuse um as i said i had reached one of several lows and it's like i couldn't believe i had gained the weight back I had watched several of your videos, you know, I've been following you for over a year and there really is no excuse. I mean, if it's financial, then you talk to Eugene, you see how it works out that way. That's none of my business. That's between you and Eugene. You know, if you're not serious about it, then don't waste Eugene's time. You know, you you know, you do put in four or five hours, you know, we'll say four hours without being, you know, paid anything before you start the program. Don't waste Eugene's time. Don't waste your time. Um, you know, you'll get to that point and, you know, maybe you won't, but if you're 350 pounds, you know, 310 pounds, it's like, you've got to do something. And obviously what you're doing on your own isn't working. Again, I tried every imaginable diet. Oh, I'm the history of diets in America for the last, since 1977. I can tell you what works, what doesn't work. Um, trainers that work it don't work uh gyms i mean you've got to want to do it you want to have to do it Uh, you just the visual aside you just feel so much better you know 
don't worry about what you look like. You just feel so much better. Doesn't mean I, I won't have a heart attack tomorrow, but at least I'll feel better up until that point. And, you, you know, if you've got to, you know, maybe you can't lose all the negative elements of your life, not even negative. If you have a family that likes to eat, friends that like to eat, it comes down to you. Don't, you know, don't let them manipulate you or don't manipulate yourself into, you know, oh, I'm going to a certain restaurant and any restaurant you can eat properly, you know, stay away from the bread that they put down at the beginning of the meal, order water. Um, you can, order, you know, every restaurant, just about you could go into an order healthy, you could still be part of social activities, you know, or if, you know, if you feel you're going to eat a little more that day, at that particular meal, then watch what you're eating the rest of the day. Don't say, oh, I'm not going to eat, I'm not going to watch what I eat all day because I know I'm having dinner with a group tonight. Um, but what it comes down to is you have to reach that point in your own life where it's, I've got to do this or I'm, you know, I'm going to have a heart attack by the time I'm 60 years old or 50 years old. You know, and you, you hear just so, you know, so many people have heart attacks in their 30s just because of their size. It's yeah. like you could have 100% have prevented that. And I don't, I don't have, I understand it. And again, I, I could pull out that card where if somebody says something to me about my attitude, the way it was like, Hey, I, you know, I, I'll send you that picture I have where I'm 350 pounds. Don't tell me, I don't know what I'm talking about because I've been there and worse. I know both sides, you know, don't, you know, it's time for you to take, it's your decision and don't blame anybody else there's absolutely no one else's uh decision in, in the process or you can't blame anybody else you got to move on you know that, cool. that's all i have to say i'm spent yeah well well <laughs> and i'm surprised you. i haven't had to pee <laughs> i've actually had to be the last 20 minutes uh, you should have said holding it a little something bit. Nah, it's okay. look at you it's not that bad right. but um yeah, but honestly, Charlie, this it's great to chat with you. Uh, thank you for for making it down for the live, and obviously, yeah. thanks for reaching out as well. I I really yeah. appreciate it. Best and, decision I made. And thank you, and have a good weekend, everyone. Um, wish everyone the best. Okay, take, take care. Guys. care. Bye. Take care. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you've ever had trouble losing weight, or you've lost weight but still didn't have the ideal body or health you're aiming for, please feel free to reach out anytime and book an assessment. Eugene will work with you to cover your goals in detail, see what's holding you back, and go from there. In the meantime, feel free to check out the countless testimonials on Eugene's website in the link below. In the testimonial section you'll notice everyone has various backgrounds, are of all different ages, and all have had different challenges in their life, but they all have one thing in common they were all able to find their health and achieve their ideal body. You're also welcome to add yourself to the Facebook group in the link below. There you'll have access to the live videos that Eugene does weekly on Sundays and other helpful content. Thank you again for tuning in.